me a milk. Chocolate. density has popped me to you. What? Oh, what I meant to say was... Wait a minute. Don't I know you from somewhere? Yes. Yes. I'm George. George McFly. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. The core cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is the family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that would like to offer you some encouragement. When the chips are down, just point blank. From RFGeneration.com, I am Metal Fro, known throughout other parts of the web as the Game Boy Guru. And with me, as always, my co-pilot is... Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups. And we are honored to have some guests with us today to discuss this game. Uh, first and foremost, we have Mark MSX from the Electric Underground podcast. How's it going, my dudes? We also have uh, Moglar, who is a prominent Ketsui player. Hey. And we have KZ the Kusa player, who is... Uh, also active in uh, Ketsui and has been participating this month with us. Yo, what up? All right. So, as I mentioned, rfgeneration.com is where you want to be. That is the site that hosts our podcast. There's That is where we do our monthly Shmup Club playthroughs. Uh, there are some great articles on the front page. We have an active Discord. We have great forums where you can participate in discussions and also the Shmup Club, and the regular community playthrough, and a huge database where you can catalog your game collection. So make sure you go check it out. It's all free. It is rfgeneration.com. So for January 2020, we decided to start the year off with a bang and go with a, a what I would consider a fairly monumental game for a number of reasons. And Indeed. that is Ketsui by Cave. And we're, we're starting 2020 off with that game, not only because it's a big game, but also because we wanted to do something new this year. And so not only is Ketsui our main focus for the month of January, but through all of 2020, we're basically using this as a, as a scoring competition so that people can jump in at any point during the year and submit scores to try and, uh, you know, be the top dog on the, on the leaderboard. And we're still working out the, the kinks in terms of what that's going to look like. But for now, 
what you want to do is either sign up at arfgeneration.com and hit us up on the, the Ketsui thread so that you can post your scores there. You can tweet at us at ShootCoreCast on Twitter. Please use the hashtag RFGShmupClub and tweet at us directly with your screenshot. Or if you're a Discord user, uh, the RF Generation Discord, you can link to that from the front page of RFGeneration.com. And we have a dedicated Shoot the Corecast uh, channel or topic in there where you can drop in and discuss the game with us, post your screenshots, etc., so there are going to be several ways to do that. Um, but we're going to be taking scores for just about every mode of this game. And that's from the original arcade version to Super Easy, Destiny. Um, you know, if anybody has uh, Ketsui Death Label on the DS, I would love to see oh, some yeah. score submissions for that. Oh, God. Uh, um, Bring it, Casey. X- X mode on the uh, 360 and PS3 ports. I know uh, Zoido from our forum has been playing that a little bit and submitted a score for that. So point being is, um, you know, give us all your scores. And uh, we definitely want to do that because I want to see uh, a bunch of people playing this game. And we'll get into it here as we go along. But there have been a lot of people playing Ketsui the last month. Not everybody has been participating with our group, but I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter and throughout other Discord channels where it just seems like there's a fair number of people who are playing Ketsui right now. Uh, so it just worked out in our favor that there's been a lot of discussion about this game lately. Yeah, it's definitely the hotness right now. I think there's no denying that. There's even a, a thread on the farm, remember, where they're, the guy's uh, Blossom was mad about everyone <laughs> playing Ketsui. Uh, <laughs> Oh, well, and then, and, then there's, and then there's another thread where someone sparked a discussion that says, uh, I think yeah, the title is, there's something about Ketsui. And so there have yeah. been a lot of people talking about oh, was it. That, who, who made that thread? Do you know? I don't know. I don't remember I off no the top clue. of my head. Oh, but it's, okay. been a, it's been a lot of, of really good discussion about what makes the game great. And so, anyway, we're going we're gonna to get into all that. But before we drop into that... Uh, I thought we would, uh, I would continue to plagiarize the RF Generation playcast and uh, go with their question of the month thing. And so the question that I posed out on Twitter is, what is your favorite ever mechanic in a shooting game and why? And I said, please be specific. <clears throat> and so uh, Maz, uh, at Maz, uh, M-A-Z 670-86804, on Twitter says, having played almost exclusively Ikaruga for the last five months, the polarity me- mechanic, of course. And if you're not following Maz on Twitter, you should do so because uh, he's been posting a lot of updates on him playing Ikaruga, and he is going for some insane stuff, trying to get like the highest level rank on every stage, and you know, posting pictures of him getting S plus plus rankings and stuff like that. So it's really cool to to see that progress. Yeah, and also keep an eye on his YouTube channel because he's going to do a Jamer style common, you know, like annotated run when he's all done. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, that'll be that'll be awesome to watch because I know Ikaruga is one of those games that it's it's um, pardon the pun, but it's polarizing. You know, some people think it's the greatest shmup ever, and some people are like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I I like the game, but I've never been able to. I've never really got good at it. Um, and so I know 
understanding best use of the polar polarity mechanic and then also the chaining is really how you get the most out of the game. And so part of it is I just haven't, you know, sat down and dug into the game. And I know that's one that we're going to look at eventually for the Shmup Club. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those that I need to, to get into a little bit more. Oh, you know what you should... You know what's truly mind-blowing? Watching somebody play Ikaruga, controlling both ships at once and scoring. That crap is oh. like... That's like that's like insane. The like, double play? That. Yeah. yeah. Like, they... They do they do crazy stuff like use the polarity mechanic to have one ship uh, one ship body block the shots for another ship That's and really like dual cool. chaining and stuff like that. It's it's crazy. Like a lot of double plays you see are usually just like, you know, they combine like they try to like control the ships in like basically similar spots and just basically right. have them do the same thing. And it's like, yeah, that's not really that impressive, but when you see Ikaruga double plays, they like they try to make their ships do different things to for scoring and for blocking for uh, blocking bullets, because you can do that. <laughs> That's crazy. You're gonna mention that. that. That would be impressive to see, though. Have you seen the guy uh, double play DOJ, but on a cabinet? So he's got bull. He's controlling both ships on the cabinet. With that's pretty crazy. So he's I've seen uh, manually doing the buttons and the arcade sticks with one hand each. So, oh wow, I was impressed. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, at John PV says, for me, it's how you earn a multiplier and score bigger points in Esperade. The sinking of your secondary main shot and the timing with that to get that shiny 16x bonus just works so well for me. Combined with the visuals and level designs makes it my all-time favorite. I really love yeah, that. Yeah, game's too. got some really great scoring where it's like when you score really well, it sh- it you get visually rewarded. Yeah, you get yeah. them chips. Uh, or, or, yeah, we'll or talk like, about them chips. Yeah. <laughs> or there's like, like just this like... Esperate scoring feels pretty similar to Ketsui's. Yeah, I do wonder if it was kind of a basically a prototype for Ketsui's scoring. In a way, maybe, yeah. Uh, KZ, you, uh, you actually chimed in on Twitter as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel uneasy about what you said? <laughs> oh, well, I just thought about it a little bit more. And I feel like it's mostly about, not about the mechanics, but about, like, um, things being flashy. Like, I like scoring when it looks really flashy and the scoring tricks that people do are, like, they look really cool. So it's less oh, about I mechanics see. for me and it's more about, like, you know, what people do with the mechanics. Right. I'd say empty locking in general is my favorite mechanic. My favorite mechanic, I thought about this in the outline, is uh, just the concentrated shot mechanic, you know, that is in every cave game and every bullet hell ever. I think that made a massive difference to the genre of shmups. Oh, the focus shot. Yeah, the focus shot. That's by far my favorite. Interesting. I yeah, I guess I don't think about that either. You just take it for granted. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah it's I just kind of like... Maybe. I've just been oh, playing yeah. uh, sure. like Grega and Batsugun and talking about that t- this week, so that's why it was on my mind. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, it, because Cave has used it so much and because so many other games have copied that style, it almost seems like a vanilla thing, but then yeah. when you think about it, there's a reason that everybody's copying it, Yeah, that's because it works. It's a very clever mm-hmm. mechanic. 
Um, so, uh, Zoido from the forums at Zoido underscore on Twitter says the capture ball in G Darius capture enemies to increase your firepower and feed them to your alpha beam to wreck everything. Is that the, is that the, uh, mechanic where you just like capture the mid boss fishes and like basically have them, um, do stuff for you? Well, that's, that's one of the things that you can do with them. You have to weaken them first before you can capture them. Um, it's like Pokemon. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> because we talk to each other a lot. That's why you know my humor at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and uh, uh, at CollectorCast, Duke Togo from the forums, he says, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I really liked having all... Having the having all your ships on screen idea from shoot one up, very unique and it was fun to handle the formations and balance of having more ships versus being a big target, and that's a cool one. You know that's one of those games that I just got it on a Steam sale here recently and I haven't put any time into it yet. But I remember watching um, watching Sayer's review of that on uh, Bullet Heaven and thinking that was kind of a cool mechanic that nobody had ever really done before. I mean, the closest thing to that is, you know, early examples like 1942 where you got the, the side planes or something like Daisenpu where your bomber is actually a squadron of planes and then as you go along and they get shot down, then you just have less and less firepower. Um, but the shoot one up seems like it kind of makes that the ultimate, um, the ultimate fulfillment of that idea. Yeah, uh, what's that old? I'm trying to think of that old shmup that's just left and right. Um, not Space Invaders. It's Galaga, right? Galaga, right? You can make well, them you, you capture make, you your can, own you, ship, right, yeah, and then you, save it, and then have the double ship. You can right. either you, you can either use a single or double ship. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And that and that actually came up in our list here. As Steven Eider uh, said, having your ship captured, taken over, and either rescued or destroyed in Galaga was always an amazing hook for the game. Uh-oh. And uh, Bickman2K from the forums, he, he chimed in and said that's his choice too. You know, it wasn't as simple as get captured, double firepower. You make a choice about how you of lives for extra power or did you want to try your hand with a single ship? And so I thought that was interesting. I remember one of the uh, first questions I asked to Dent was like, I, I played Galaga at a random arcade once. And I tried playing it like it was like a modern shmup. So I tried moving up ah. and down and wondering why I couldn't move up and down. And then I asked the dumbest <laughs> question about how how I can play Galaga with auto fire on. Turns out not very well. <laughs> no, if it's one of those old school ones where yeah, yeah, auto fire does not play nicely with it. Well, yeah, especially right. since yeah. you can only have three um, three shots out at once. Yeah, was that for? Um... I'm trying to think. I thought it was uh, two. Callus Cup, right? Because we no, Galaga no, not Galaga '88. Um, just OG Galaga. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a very different approach. Um, but enough course. about Galaga. Yeah. Onward. <laughs> yeah. So addicted. What what would you say your favorite mechanic is? My favorite mechanic would have to be the old school and original four spot. That influenced so much to me looking at guy areas or even looking at the capture that was spoken of earlier within G Darius. 
or even looking at rolling gunner and some of the mechanics there there's so much that can be gained from that and your strategic placing of the force pod is paramount to getting through those games it's also interesting the way that it interacts with your power-ups and that your the more power-ups you get the stronger your force pod gets it's almost like trying to fly a second ship and I always loved the way that that took in place in the games. Nice. Yeah, for me, I was thinking about this, and I, I'm going to dovetail on what Zoido said and kind of expand that a little bit larger, and I'll say anytime you can use the enemy against itself. Um, so anytime you can capture an enemy or steal its power. So, for example, um, in Guy Blaze... Is. Like yeah, Gaiares or Gaiares, you can you can shoot up the uh, the TZ system and steal enemy power ups. Uh, Blazon for the Super Nintendo, you can shoot out a deal and capture an enemy. Zero Wing, you have a tractor beam and you can grab an enemy and hold it out in front of you as a shield. Um, in uh, you know Zoido mentioned uh, G Darius in um, in Darius Gaiden. That was a mechanic that started there, where for some of the mid-boss characters, if you shoot them at like the top corner of their head, at some point you can effectively take them over and then they'll follow you and assist you for the rest of the level. Whereas in G. Darius, of course, they expanded upon that and gave you the capture ball power-up. So you could capture standard popcorn enemies and take them along for the ride, or once you weaken the mid-bosses, to a certain point, then you can shoot the capture ball and then have them go along with you. And as he mentioned, then when you go in to use that um, that alpha beam, then you can actually use that enemy to create that kind of super laser against the boss that you're fighting. So I love that mechanic. I wish more games would do it. And I, I think it's cool when they, they come up with original ways to do that. Space Bomber has stuff like that as well. You can grab the enemies and then throw them back or yeah, use just, their special power-up. That should that, that just kind of reminds me of Trigger Heart Excelica. It's like not a game yeah. that it's like not a game that people like oh, yeah, that, that remember was wrong. fondly, yeah. especially since like you ask I asked it on the Shmup Discord and people were just like, oh that game. What's up but, with that game? Why um, don't people like it? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was because uh it might have been the level design or something like that, but the mechanics are like you can you can grab enemies and just like either use them as meat shields or throw them at other enemies, and That's it just cool. look really funny. Yeah, and it's cool because you sort of do this weird thing where you grab an enemy and then you spin it around as yeah. if you're you know holding it out with your yeah. arms and literally spinning around in a circle. You're like and you build up that momentum. It. Yeah. And then you throw it out, and it can cancel bullets and destroy enemies. It's a really cool mechanic. I'm glad you brought that up, because I hadn't thought about that one. But it's a good example of that. I never played that game, but I think it looks fun. I don't know. Maybe it is bad, though. There's also a wrist system, which sort of turns a little bit of Don Mako on its head with the way that you're supposed to get closer to the enemy bullets in order to charge up your special shot to use against the enemies. What oh, is this? Yeah. Uh, or grazing, Is this too. B-Storm? Is this Beastorm? <laughs> no. Because that's how cause that, that's how Beastorm works. You graze bullets to charge your bomb, and you get like a million bombs. Yeah, see, and, and grazing I would see as a whole different mechanic. Yeah. Because then you started to get into... Yeah, then you started to get into... Stuff. 
Yeah, Dan Three, Gray's Counter, Saivariar, Toho, um, Toho, yeah, uh, Toho, uh, Shikigami series, um, and the new Sisters Royale game that's coming. So I mean, yeah, that that I would consider a whole different mechanic. Um, but uh, let's jump into uh, kind of a setup on on what we're talking about here. So, Addicted, would you like to fill us in on some intro info about Ketsui and Cave? Sure. Ketsui was developed by Cave, a now infamous Japanese developer of shooting games, particularly of the Danmaku or Bullet Hell variety. Cave Interactive Co. Limited started in June 1994 and was one of several companies that arose from the demise. Cave Interactive Co. Limited started in June 1994 and was one of several companies that arose from the demise of famed shooting game studio Toplan. No, I should say Toplan. Other companies created from Toa Plan's demise include Takumi, Gazelle, Tamsoft, and most notably, Rising, Aiding. Cave's first game, Dompachi, which took the trend of the manic shooter bit further and introduced elements that would be solidified in sequel Dodompachi as conventions of the Donmaku subgenre. And if anyone's looking for a little bit of those defining conventions, you can take a look at the Electric Underground's YouTube channel, and they have a <clears throat> excellent series on Don Pachi and the, what was the other game, Mark? Sorcerer Striker. Thank you. Sorcerer Striker. And one of them that highlighted in there, and Mark spoke of earlier, was the Focus Shot. And if you're interested in finding a little bit more about the rest, take a look. Cave is one of the most prolific developers of shooting games in the history of the genre, though they only self-published their last two arcade releases and roughly half of their console or PC releases. Ketsui Kazuna Jigoku Taichi was released in arcades and published by AMI in 2003. Yeah, I know, you finally found someone who speaks Japanese worse than you, Mark. <laughs> I, I don't think I could have done that well, so I'm impressed. Literally, literally every person I've seen try to pronounce them, uh, like the whatever the um, stuff after after Ketsui has gotten it so wrong that it's funny. Casey, can you do it? I th- I think it's Kizuna, Kizuna Jigokutashi. All right, I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah that, that's kind of what I was thinking too. And. I'm sure everyone here knows that Ketsui means determination, right? No, Ketsui just means determination. Don't know what the... Do you know what the um, English yeah, translation for it is? Uh, yeah. What the full Determination title? something. Uh, Do you I know don't know it exactly play? off the top of my head. No, I don't. Okay, I'm going to say it. I guess you'll have to bleep it. It's breaking the it's bonds like of hell. Out. Cutting the bonds oh, of yeah, hell. that's right. I did see yeah. that in an article. Breaking so. the bonds of hell. That's right. Well, just put, say, heck at the end of it and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking the yeah, bonds of yeah, yeah. H-H-R-C-K hockey heck. sticks. <laughs> Cutting the bonds of insert cuts. No, no, you know, what the perfect, you know what the perfect way to bleep out the, um, the hell is? Uh, use the game over scream. The ga- like the game over scream. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that scream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now we won't have to bleep that because it's contextual, you know. No, no just do it because it's funny. Do it because it's funny. Oh, that, do that. that would be funny. Yeah, he like, could do that. Like, when I say, 
Like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. The count censored sounds way better than the count. Even though all they're censoring is the, the word count. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Cave quickly followed up its release with several mobile phone versions of the game from 2003 to 2005. They also released a spin-off title called Damaku Kinsinken Ketsuihen in 2006, focusing on boss battles. 2007 saw the release of Ketsui Death Label for the Nintendo DS, which boils oh, down yeah. the core gameplay into a series of boss rushes with multiple modes, including one with successfully harder fights with Evacuneer Doom, the true last boss of Ketsui. Ketsui Kazuna Jigoku Taichi Extra was released on the Xbox 360 in 2010 and was ported by 5PB. This release includes the arcade release as well as a new X mode. A PS3 version was released in 2013 and is region free and is bloody fast. In 2018, the M2 Shot Triggers team released Ketsui Death to Knee on PlayStation 4. And included not only the original arcade version, but a super easy mode. The arcade challenge mode, where players can practice different areas of the game at varying levels of difficulty, but also the new Death to Knee range mode, which challenges changes the scoring mechanics. The physical version of Death to Knee includes the ID, IKD 2007 special mode, aka Ketsui Blue Label, which is DLC in the digital version. There's also Kazuna mode which places players into the game at trouble spots, taking from their own arcade play mode to help them practice those areas for specific challenges. Alright, you want to talk about Cave versus Cave? <laughs> sure. But that's uh, what it is. It's Cave versus Evac. Yeah. So the, uh, the plot of the game, and this is ripped directly from Wikipedia, so, uh, you know, if it's wrong, don't, uh, don't hate. But uh, in the year 2054... Chaos spreads over the globe as global warming finally exacts its toll on Earth. The ice caps quickly melt, causing a tremendous series of cataclysms and for entire nations to disappear under the sea. The near-apocalyptic setting and the quickly depleting resources of the remaining dry lands force nations into constant war, eventually culminating into World War III. All efforts by the United Nations to cease hostilities are thwarted by a seemingly endless supply of technologically advanced weaponry being sold to each side of every conflict. After investigation, the sources track back to Evac Industry Company Limited, an arms dealer who's been reaping tremendously high profits from the situation, at times directly intervening to fuel the hostilities with utter disregard toward human lives. Any attempt to negotiate with the board of directors has utterly failed. The earnings having proven high enough for the company to build its own cities, shipyards, defensive emplacements, and even a private airport to the point of assembling its own army of extremely well-equipped mercenary troops. Being unable to enter the fray officially, the UN sets up a strike team of four pilots, each pair given one of two advanced helicopters. The plan is to simulate a rebellion within EVAC forces and bring down the company's headquarters, where research on a series of tremendous war machines is taking place. For this reason, the planes both bear EVAC insignia and call signs and are built according to stolen prototype blueprints. By no means, in success or failure, must the operation be traced back to the United Nations. However, for all this secrecy to be effective, 
even in victories, the assault choppers will have to be destroyed and the pilots killed. However, to compensate for their sacrifice, the UN shall fulfill one of their wishes, no matter what it is. And this, on board a stolen evac carrier plane, is how the story begins. And it's so much better than coffees and crystals from Raiden 5. <laughs> yes. So, what about that Crimson Clover story? <laughs> so I have to say, that's the first time I knew about Ketsui's story, and I thought it was pretty awesome when I was reading through that. First map story. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's not as good as DDP. Well. Yeah, probably not. Well, one thing I did wonder about it is, uh, well, do they DDP do you find out when you get the true last boss or the ending what their wish was at the end? That's a good question. I've never. I thought the, I thought the um, good, like you know, the Ur ending was like the um, you live. You probably do in Ura, yeah. Oh, like oh, the UN yeah. goes. Well, the thing I like about the story is that it's the UN hiring these, like, uh, stealth murderers. Basically, like, it's pretty <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. B- BK I mean, Rue was telling me something about, uh, and I don't remember which ending this is, but one of the two, one of the two crafts. There's a pilot. Uh, one of the pilots, basically, at the end of the game, his wish was. Okay, like, what was to it? To have somebody killed or something like that. Oh, nice. But I don't remember the, the details. Just, mm. The dude's so hardcore. He murders thousands of people. He's like, okay, I have this ex-girlfriend. She needs to go. Something like that. I don't remember the specifics. I, but anyway, or, 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 or it, was like a, it was like a boyfriend or something like that. And oh. Uh, oh, okay. I get it. Like... I don't know if it's a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing of I, you can't live without me and I can't live without you or, you know, if it was a revenge thing. I don't remember the details, but I thought that was interesting. What if they I, get what if the wish was don't kill me? You know, they could grant any wish, right? Like, okay, <laughs> don't shoot me in the back of the head. Yeah. Please. Oh, crap. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that might be that might be a, 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 a like an Aladdin situation. Can you, you wish know. for more wishes? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I was literally just about to say that. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that wishes. the gravity of this would be a little bit lost if we had flying lollies after. So <laughs> these helicopters here comes, here comes a little girl and she's going to wipe them all out. That's true. This doesn't have any sort of a uh, moe stuff in it at all, right? Not even because even DOJ has the Exa dolls, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, this has got so like, this has got cool this has got like cool boss designs though. Doom will be a girl. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a serious military theme, and I think it's yeah. probably probably it's since one. probably since the original Dompachi, it's the last one that they did that was totally serious military theme with no uh well or maybe Dodompachi, I guess. Yeah, well, Dodompachi came before this one. though. Yeah, Dompachi, Dodonpachi, and then Ketsui. And, yeah, so, and then DOJ. And DOJ had was, the Exodus. Uh, right. Yeah, it was Dust Miles that came right. It was next after this. And so this is the last... That was a few years Well, ago. but it was still after after it. So this was the last uh, Dubro military yeah. shooter. Then it went to Flying Girls. Esperade? You had the... Um, Esperade was right after, which is Flying right. People. I, I mean, guess. I guess... I guess you could say that they so, they kind of went back mission. to the well a little bit 
on you know the military theme and and ships rather than flying people um you know without all the the anime accoutrement with uh akai katana but yeah it probably i this is probably the last time that they went for the full-on serious kind of military shooter aesthetic across yep. the board yep but yeah it's a uh, it's it's and it's interesting because like you were saying before, addicted. I mean, it really is cave because evac is literally just cave spelled backwards. Yeah, I remember <laughs> so, there was a there was a cave April Fool's Day joke where they uh, tweeted out that they were taken over by evac industries. Oh, that is amazing! <laughs> if only it were true. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, they might they might actually make enough money to make another game then. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. Ma- maybe that. Hopefully, evac takes. What if it's meta, now. right? Where they were secretly saying, uh, "Cave backwards is making all this money," so cave forwards. We're broke as hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But mm. uh, on the upside, if, if evac does take over cave eventually, maybe that means we'll get a Ketsui too. Yeah, where they go after the UN. Yes, <laughs> and they like destroy the UN. In the the PCB. That would be funny. Have have uh, have actual evac um, agents going after the UN. Mm-hmm. You use that uh, weird title. Mm-hmm. What's that? Uh, Revenge Joe's brother. You have that uh, Ketsui too. Oh. The Revenge of Joe's brother or something really weird. I'll shoot. Oh yeah, Twin tw- uh, Twin Eagle Revenge of Joe's twin brother. Eagle. Yeah, or not revenge. <laughs> the revenge of the pilot. It's, it's not revenge of Joe's brother. It's literally revenge Joe's brother, which <laughs> is really awkward, but I love it. All right, are we going to get into Tate? <laughs> well, let's break down kind of the basics of this game um, because it is pretty. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot to the basis of the gameplay. I mean, in the original Dompachi, you had three craft to choose from. Uh, two different planes and a sort of helicopter thing. And um, and you could pick between shot type and laser type. In this game, it's, it's a little bit more bare bones. You literally have two craft you can select from, and you have a standard kind of machine gun fire, and then you've got a focus shot, and then you've got a bomb. And that's it. Uh, and so... The focus of the game really is on is on the scoring, I think. You know, not so much the the other mechanics. So you've got the the Tiger Schwert, um, which is the kind of the helicopter, <clears throat> and it's not really like a traditional helicopter. If you look at the artwork for the game, it's more like almost Jets like a hybrid. <laughs> Yeah, jet choppers or something. Yeah, I mean they're they're really cool looking, but yeah, they are kind of like a hybrid between a between a helicopter and a jet of some kind. Um, but the the tiger has a wide shot, um, and it has a fast lock on shot, but apparently it moves slower. Yeah, and then the the Panzer Jaeger has a more like forward shot um, and locks on slower, but it's faster. I don't know if it's a lot faster when not in lock. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot. Bad I don't know moves. if the um, I don't know if the lock speed is in noticeable. lock shot. Panzer. Like, I don't know like... if the lock speed difference is noticeable. It is. 
It's it it's noticeable. Me. It's really small though. Mm-hmm. It's really small. Yeah, it's not like a C. What is it? CL and and AL. Wait, do you mean do you mean the lock laser speeds the, are way different? The speed of the speed of locking on or the the movement speed. Uh, the speed of locking about. on because the the speed of locking on is yeah. very noticeable. The movement speed's noticeable, but it's uh, it's a pretty small difference. And uh, I think, would you agree, Moglar, that Tiger is just overall the stronger ship between the two? Uh, no, you think Panzer's really. about as good? Panzer's better for um, survival um, and Tiger's I feel better for scoring. For That's what we're talking about. Because of how um, important survival in Ura is, I'd say for Ura scores, Panzer might actually Interesting. be better. Yeah, I remember when I talked to Iconoclast, he felt like Tiger was clearly the better ship. I don't, I don't think it's really much harder in Loop 1. I think it's harder to score effectively with it by like a little bit. But to actually survive, I think it's similar difficulty in Loop 1 as well. So. Yeah, but in but in the loops, it's like you have so much more maneuverability with Panzer, and you kind of need it. Do yeah. you? Yeah, in shot killing um, larger enemies is whenever you have to do that, it's significantly easier with Panzer. But the, I was wondering, you know, I haven't played Aura Loop, but I was imagining that Tiger's just wide suppressive fire is going to be really useful, but. Is it not really that important? But then the suicide yeah, bullets. Yeah, but then gone. whenever you sh- whenever you shoot a billion bullets. Oh, shit, I forgot can't about really that. Control that. I mean, well, snap. <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> and you can't and you can't move away from them as fast. So. Yeah. So, well, what about yeah. an IKD then? What do you think about an IKD? An IKD, the lock speed is actually the same for both of them. Oh. Um. Uh, Tiger is. Probably a bit better in that mode, but it's probably pretty minor. Not a big difference. Well, and I think you know we might be getting ahead of ourselves here because um, you guys you guys are getting into <laughs> the technical aspects of the game, right, which is right. great. But you know, I I think it's important to note <laughs> that for those unfamiliar with cave games, um, their cave games tend to be shorter for the first set of stages. And so literally it's, it's five stages. Yep. And then depending on your performance in those first five stages will either give you one set of second stages or another set of second stages. And so these are nothing or nothing. So, (laughs) I mean, if you, if you play like, like garbage during the first loop or you continue and that sort of thing, then you, you have to play pretty well just yeah. to make it to you, still. You, you get, <laughs> so don't yeah, know about so if you if you if you play like garbage or you use continues and that sort of thing, you get one loop. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you play relatively well, and I, you guys will have to remind me about the the conditions, but there's there's basically two versions of a second loop. You've got the Omote loop, and then you've got the Ura loop. Now on the Ura loop, I know that you have to. If I remember correctly, you have to no miss, no bomb. Um, basically, don't use any bombs. Don't um, and don't uh, lose any lives. And then also achieve a score of 120 million points or higher in the first loop. Then you go to the Ura loop, which is how you can access the true last boss, Evac in your Doom. 
The square requirement is almost impossible to fail, though. I only know of one case of it actually being failed. Sure. Um, but then the Omote loop, uh, I want to say you can use a up to six, and it's a combination of lives and bombs. So if, right. let's say if you, mm-hmm. if you bomb three times and you lose three lives, you're within that threshold to then access the Omote loop. Is, is that correct? Yep. Okay. That is correct. Yeah. So I mean, really, there are, there are three ways to play it out. You know, you can do your best and fail to meet the requirements for Omote loop and get one loop and get a essentially a one all, just a standard one all, or uh, or credit feed through the game if that's what you want to do. If you're playing better and you can get through the game without losing very many lives or without bombing. Then you open up that possibility of either getting into that second loop, that Omote loop, um, and essentially doing the same stages again, but under differing conditions. Um, Or, if you do even better, you can access the Ura loop, which is the same stages again under similarly different conditions, but with the ability to reach the end of the game and face the, the true last boss. So one of the one of the things that I know that's different is just kind of at a high level um, when you're playing through on the first loop when you shoot enemies for every enemy that you shoot down you get a a chip or a little square a block and these have a value on them from one to five and in the second loop there are no chips or no blocks um, but enemies when when you destroy them, they shoot out suicide bullets or revenge bullets, whatever the the right term is. Uh, and so I've heard both. Yeah, yeah, you, you really have to play it. Revenge bullets is more accurate, but that that's kind of what I was thinking because sounds cooler though. Yeah, sure, it, it sounds metal as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like it, but 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 you know, <laughs> revenge makes sense because they only occur once the enemy's been destroyed. And so, and once you destroy it, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on. Exactly. Here's here's how they're suicide bullets. Because when you're shooting down the ship, the the pilot has a choice. Okay, I could jump out, <laughs> you know, bail out of the ship and survive, or I could hit this button to blow up the ship and shoot out extra bullets to try and ah. kill the guy. So that's what they mm. do. That's the. <laughs> that that's the that's mark my, version, huh? That's the mark version of why it's called suicide bullets. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's an interesting way to do it because it makes you take a completely different approach in that second loop as opposed to, you know, you spend all this time learning to play the game, learning the scoring mechanics and learning how to, how to get the five chips from enemies and things like that. And then you get to the second loop and all that's thrown out the window. And so I think that's an interesting, um, an interesting subversion from cave absolutely in you know you get to the second loop and it's like haha we're changing everything <laughs> you know i mean obviously the, the the stage layouts the enemy patterns and all that is the same but the way you have to approach it has to change yeah and it's also very different from most cave games right because i know akeda he doesn't like those revenge bullets and uh i can't think does any other so Dodonpachi definitely doesn't have them. Don Pachi, Pro Gear. Oh, Don yeah. Pachi. Does Don Pachi have suicide bullets? 
Yes. Loop oh, two. wow, I didn't know that. Pro Gear as well. Loop 2, yeah. Uh, uh, Death, Death Smiles. Smiles. Death Smiles, yeah. But, um, yeah. So the Akeda games, though, typically don't. As far as I'm aware. That would be kind of crazy in Dodonpachi, I'm not going to lie. They started shooting revenge bullets at you on top oh, of everything else. Um, yeah, and like an interview or something he said. <laughs> oh my god, dude. In an interview, I think Akeda said that uh, he didn't use revenge bullets in that game because it would just not make as much sense with the chaining system. Yeah, you're trying to chain through revenge bullets. Oh, that'd be awful. Right. Yeah. Well, and... And I've played enough of the original Dompachi because I've owned it on Saturn for years to say that yeah, the second loop revenge bullets are nasty. <laughs> and I would say too, another thing to note about Ketsui that's interesting compared to the later cave games is rank isn't really that big of a factor, right, Moglar? Unlike yeah, DOJ really. and you know SDOJ. I think it technically DFK. exists in some form, but it's like don't even bother thinking about it. Also, yeah, that's the same thing with Dodonpachi. Also a very minor technicality that uh, Player 1 and Player 2 both play out very sim- uh, both play out similarly in Ketsui, which, like, for some reason, a lot of cave games have, like, these really bugged differences between Player 1 and Player 2. Like Dodonpachi. Yep, like Dodonpachi. Or, big, um, big speaking of rank, uh, Apparently, player two has lower starting rank for some reason. I don't know why. Doesn't I? Don't, I don't think it actually makes a very big difference. I don't think it does all, either. <laughs> it's not like Dodonpachi, where like you know, apparently does. Hibachi always shoots yeah. fast pattern, the fast pattern, or um, mo- the two or three Mushi Ultra, yeah, where the, like one of the TLB patterns that you tap dodge is actually random. Yeah, yeah most of them. Yeah, I don't know how they always mess up player two. In Diojo, uh, in Diojo, the hypers on bosses they're supposed to have way more iframes, but you just get the same amount of iframes that you normally do in stages, and it's really bad for Hibachi. That's interesting. Yeah, I think overall one one thing that's really cool about Ketsu is it kind of feels the most focused game as far as you know. It's just straight up bullet hell you know it's not a it doesn't have too many unique mechanics outside of the fundamental gameplay besides empty locking Mm. i suppose but (laughs) but it it seems like a very but it seems like a very focused game to me compared to especially cave's other games yeah no hyper no kakusei to help you with survival i feel like for survival it's probably a more boring game than those because of that but yeah, but I think you're right, Mark. I mean, I think it's it the simplicity of the setup with only two craft and your basic your basic shot and your basic focus shot. Uh, you know, it does really simplify it. The one thing that's a little different though is that the focus shot has a homing component to it, which I I think is a a neat little yeah, that's true difference that. I, I think there's only a couple of other cave games that do that, um, where where once you lock on to an enemy, especially with bosses, you know you can you can lock on to a specific portion of the boss, and then as you move around, you know your lock on consists of both kind of these side machine guns that are like these little options that float next to your to your craft, and then also a straight ahead laser. 
but the laser has a limited range, so you have to be within about, I'll say about half of the screen distance or maybe a little bit more in order to effectively do damage with that. Um, but the homing component, no matter where you're moving on the screen or as you're dodging bullets and things, you're still dealing damage to the to the enemy in that sense. And so it it's an interesting component that allows you to kind of keep keep the momentum of the fight going while you're dodging through kind of crazy bullet walls and things like that. Yeah, it really promotes aggressive playstyle because unlike in Dodonpachi where you can kind of hang back in certain sections and just laser. Um, yeah, like you said, it doesn't reach certain patterns in yeah. enemies, so I'm thinking like in stage 4 and 5, especially, you know, you have to play more aggressively than something than you'd probably expect coming into the game because of the way the lock-on mechanic works. Yeah, and I wonder, it makes me wonder why when they did when they designed the lock-on for Ketsui, why they chose to do it that way with that combination of homing machine guns but straight ahead laser that has a limited range. Like I wonder what the impetus behind that was. I That's think a really interesting one, thing is one, like that. one cool Oh go ahead, Casey. Oh no, I, I didn't really have much. I thought it was just like, you know, really interesting how the options just locked on. They have a little bit of a limited range, but it it, it is like a lock on shot. And also um you know what? Forget about it. <laughs> Sorry, I had a train. I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was gonna say one really cool thing about the lock-on mechanic is, especially in the later stages, what I started to do is that you, when you get pre- presented with certain enemy formations, let's say a, a tank, and then a bunch of smaller enemies flanking you, you could lock onto the the tank, and then while you're lock-on shooting the tank, you can fly around and take care of the popcorn enemies with your with your laser shot. Um, so I think that's really cool. It kind of helps suppressive fire more than just a straight-up laser. Right, and it also, because of the way the scoring works, and because, and we can get into this here in a little bit, but because of the way the scoring works, it allows you to keep destroying enemies and keeping up that, that counter for that multiplier so that while you're trying to take out the larger enemy, uh, you're not letting that counter deplete. Yeah, for sure. I was going to focus a little more on like some subtle nuances. Like if you notice that if you're like right in front of an enemy, you tend to you lock onto the enemy much faster than if you're like you know say like half a screen away, and you can you can like kind of hear this by how fast the beeps go, or like if you're like literally right up in the enemy's face, you hear like just these four really short, quick beeps. But yes. if you're like at the, um, if you're like, you know, pretty far away from it and you try to lock on, you hear beep, 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 beep. And you can like actually hear the, um, the pause between the beeps. Yeah. I noticed that. It's kind of like how, um, a little bit how like locking on works in Crimson Clover, where if you're like right next to them, you, you, um, lock onto them faster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that when I was kind of playing early in the month and was, uh, you know, started to reach the first stage boss, I noticed that um, it didn't lock on as fast when I was at the very bottom of the screen. And so when, like, let's say when I would do enough damage to take out the, the little side heli deals on that first boss, 
and um, I would get the, a batch of chips, then I would immediately go into lock and move up a little bit so that it would lock on faster, and then I could quickly pull back again then to avoid the, the shots that it would shoot out. And so, yeah, I noticed that pretty early on, that, that the lock-on goes much faster the closer you are to whatever you're locking onto. Well, I mean, I was thinking about the... We already went into great discussion on how cave... This is different from cave shmups, and we're assuming that everyone is used to this, but there's a lot of stuff that Marcus brought up in his post regarding how cave likes to put you in a corner that wasn't discussed on there. This this whole game is meant to stick you either the bottom left or the bottom right, and then just take you out. At least when you're trying to play for survival. Do you believe that the way it works for Eura and uh, I forget the other loop as well? Thank you. Okay. Do you believe the same thing, Mark? And that works for both loops? Oh, I'd think so, especially with the revenge bullets on the screen. That even makes yeah. the screen even more like pushing you into walls and corners. Yeah. Yeah. And then makes you trap yourself. If you don't have it. Or there's actually out, um, a lot of places where you have to stop shooting so that you can actually turn yeah. around. And once you stop shooting, like you, um, you can't dodge focused, right? It's not like Toho where you have like just you can shoot while you're you can't shoot right. while you, um, sorry you can not shoot while you're focused. Um, you actually just have to like dodge the really hard patterns and focused while you're trying to turn around so that you can control the um, the revenge bullets a little bit. Not that I've played too much Uro, but that's kind of what I've noticed from a lot of replays and just from like doing one or two just like practice practice sessions there for fun. In loop two scoring, you want to use a shot a lot more than luck anyway. Yeah. So we could talk about when you enter the emote loop, what are the big changes? I mean, obviously the revenge bullets, but from a scoring perspective, what oh boy. What are you, yeah, like what are you having to make adjustments <laughs> for? Um, so there's no chips. Your multiplier goes up when you spawn revenge bullets. If you in Omote, if you seal the revenge bullets, you don't your multiplier doesn't go up. And you do that by point blanking, correct? To seal the bullets, yeah. Yeah. So it Which you don't want to it do. It doesn't want it just wants you to cover the screen in revenge bullets, basically. Yeah, Omote is right. actually kinda interesting in that it's the one um uh, it's the one area in Ketsui where you don't want to just be in the um the enemy's face all the time because you tend to score less. Yeah. It's like you want to be aggressively unaggressive. Right. And it's it's interesting because Cave totally flips the script on that. They want you to be aggressive and in the enemy's face in the first loop because that's how you score better. But then when you get to that second loop, if you want to continue to score better, you have to you have to totally change your, your approach. In Ura, you still want to be aggressive, but yeah. Yeah, I think they flip the script in Ura where it's like, um when, when you do you get <laughs> flip it again. do you get points for sealing uh, no. revenge bullets or is it based on you uh, your proximity to like the top of the screen uh neither because i kind of forget how uro works in terms of it's, like um how you score points it's speed killing and how high the enemies are on the screen for gaining more multiplier <laughs> because that spawns more revenge bullets so cave goes uh goes full ride in three so what, uh, for people who, you know, haven't played too much Omote or Aura, because, I mean, getting into those loops is pretty nuts to begin with, 
What is the major difference between Aura and Emote? I mean, obviously, I'm, I believe Aura is quite a bit more difficult, but why? Why is it so much harder than Emote? <clears throat> okay, so Aura, Zeus, or Revenge Bullets are pretty much harder in every way imaginable. Yeah. The seal range is far lower, like... The width of the bullet clouds are far bigger. The speed is much faster. There are much more bullets. So, yeah. It's just more aggressive then with the revenge bullets, basically. Yeah. It's harder. Also, also I think the, the regular bullets are like... Bullets. I think the regular bullet patterns yep. are like the same as the Omote patterns to some extent. Like, there's places... They're the same, There's places where they're different. All of them are faster. <laughs> all of them are faster. Yeah, they're... Yeah, and Ura, they're faster. I'm pretty sure that's the only change. I'm pretty sure there's, like, one part... The there's, like, two parts of Omote that I've seen that have different patterns than Ura. One is, like, the, uh... The popcorn rush after the stage five mid the stage oh. five mid boss. Uh, yeah, that's... That's true. And also, true. like, you get to see the the last pattern for, um... Avacaneer. Yeah, that's just skipped in Ura. Huh. I don't think you'd be able to survive the Omote version of the post-mid-boss uh, Zucka Rush in Ura. Oh my god, yeah. Um, so for those of... I don't think it'd So work. for those people that don't know, um, after the stage 5 mid-boss in the Omote loop, the, um, the little popcorn rush that you get, it fires three-way spreads, which, I mean, in Ura, good luck with that. In Ura, it just fires like it just fires eight bullets. I'm pretty sure if like I'm pretty yeah. sure if they if fired, if fired a three way, you'd like, just be trapped. Probably, you'd just be trapped. Yeah, I mean, I I found even in the first loop, going through that rush, you know, you kind of have to. What I found is I kind of have to tap my way along, you know, start like on the on the left side of the screen, slightly up a little bit, and then basically kind of move down and then tap my way to the right as that whole rush is coming so that I can kind of slowly direct their bullets in that one direction so that basically I'm getting over to the right-hand side of the screen as that rush is ending. Um, and that way I can then kind of jump back up toward the top of the screen and start, you know, taking out whatever the next threat is. Um, but of course, that's that's in like you know super easy and destiny mode and and that sort of stuff. I mean, I haven't I haven't got that far in in arcade yet. In the early loop uh, for that Zako rush, most people actually delay the mid boss kill to get a smaller Zako rush, including me. You want to get like half of it because if you get the full thing, you have to do a restream in there, and it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, turning yeah, around. Pretty much no one. Pretty much no one uses that in full runs. I started even doing that in the. But first it gives like five mil theoretically, so it's a pretty huge score gain if you're super ballsy. Like SPS. <clears throat> yeah, I think I don't. Uh, in the super play Blu-ray, he doesn't use it, but I do sometimes see him use it. He might just uh, not go for it if he's on a really good run. Not sure. Yeah, and while we're while we're talking about stage five, I also think we got to talk about the the elevator, right? Because, oh, the um, descent. The descent. Yeah, the descent. Because uh, what's funny is we're talking about earlier the different ports of Ketsui, the PS3 port. Um, I don't know how 
factual this is, but this is something I've heard that would probably be pretty interesting, is that there was a PS2 of port of Ketsui planned, and what I've heard is that the, the reason they stated they never finished the port is because they couldn't get the scrolling backwards to work on the PS2 on the elevator section. So a little technicality, I don't think it was the scrolling backwards part that they couldn't get right, but um, I believe during certain sections of Ketsui, like the Descent and right before the Stage 2 mid-boss, and I think right after uh, the Stage 3 mid-boss, it tries to load two screens at once. So that's how it gives you the illusion of like it changing scrolling, right, Moglar? Yeah, it has like uh, backgrounds for like I guess sections further in the stage loaded even yeah. earlier than you'd expect. So basically, it like sometimes when, like if you kill a mid boss or something, and this like the minor screens shake, you can sometimes see on the side like the background from like further parts of the stage. <laughs> yeah, there's actually some. Um, you actually abuse like the double screen loading to get extra chips in certain points, like the stage three mid boss. So that was the issues? They couldn't figure out how to get that to work specifically in that section? Yeah, I think it was, uh, um, yeah, you know, think so. the PS2 didn't have enough memory to load, like, two parts of the scrolling of the um, stage at once. Without getting... Pecky told us about that, Without right? getting the scrolling right. I mean, not the scrolling, the slowdown. That's crazy to think about, you know, because compared to the hardware that... The game is being made on. I mean, the PS2 is a complete beast. So <laughs> yeah, I was I was shocked when I heard they couldn't figure out how to. They're running <laughs> a Metal Gear Solid 3 on the PS2, and they can't figure out how to get Ketsui going. But <laughs> I guess it is what it is. Yeah, I, well, and I was I was reading something, and I don't remember where it was, but that yeah, I, I didn't know about the the double screen thing, but that there was also performance problems where. They just couldn't eke enough performance out to, to get it as as smooth as they wanted it. And so, you know, I mean, obviously we got DOJ and Escaluda and uh, Mushi and Ibarra on the PS2. But yeah, for whatever reason, Ketsui eluded them. Maybe for the better, because I think the only good one of that set is uh, DOJ, right? The other ones are pretty... Pretty, especially Ibarra. is fine too, isn't it? Espaluda's good. Espaluda? Oh yeah, that's right. Also, it probably has the best arranged mode they ever made. So. Yeah. So speaking speaking of arranges, Ketsui's got... Destiny's also probably one of the better ones. Yeah, Ketsui's got yeah. an impressive lineup of arranges, so maybe we should talk about those. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the, the Xbox 360 and PS3 mode has the, the X mode arranged, uh-huh. which I don't know that much about because I don't yet have either of those versions. I only played them like twice, but I didn't really like them that much. Okay, so I've played X mode in both, and um, I'm a little bit prejudiced because I don't think the 5 PB ports are that good, and their X mode of Donanpachi uh, DOJ is pretty absurd it's kind of silly to be honest <laughs> it looks awful <laughs> so you're, you're talking about the the that's the mode that was included in the dog black label on the 360 yeah, yeah. where it has you have hyper on at all times like dfk yeah hypers. and then you turn on um bullet canceling hypers and it's just <sighs> what <laughs> you know they made it in like a weekend <laughs> basically <really> <laughs> 
I don't know if that's actually true, but that's how it feels. Uh, I think Katsu's is better than that. Yeah, it is better. Some people seem to really like it, but I don't know. From, like, a scoring perspective, I don't think it's very good. You basically blow... There's, like, special colored red ships, right? And you blow them up and they... Yeah. yeah. Like, some enemies are colored red and they cause bullet cancels and you start five chains with them. The main pro- Well, a big problem with it is that <laughs> the multiplier in the game... Uh, the stage multiplier caps out at 10,000 or 9999. And you reach that cap in literally every stage besides stage one. <laughs> oh, when you apparently they actually thought of that though, and when you hit nine 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 nine, you start getting like ten k or something for every extra chip. So it might be better than I thought at first, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in theory, that sounds cool because if you can if you can line that up so that you can chain those those red enemy kills together and keep that that maxed out then yeah in theory uh if you know when to when to do that appropriately to get bullet cancels to get more five chips that does sound like like it could be a a fun mode yeah i need to play Uh, it once you start a chain though it seems like you pretty much just want to kill everything with lock shot at least that's what mr monkey man does in his replays which does not seem very interesting at all (laughs) so i don't know sure well and and that's one of the interesting things about the base multiplier in ketsui anyway is that um you know i've been i've been mostly when i've been playing just for for my own survival i've been you know start with a a uh, standard, a uh, standard kill, and then switch to lock shot and get as much as I can with fives until I either expend, you know, the group of enemies that's coming at me, or I reach a, uh, you know, a stronger enemy that I'm not going to be able to take out and get five chips from because that counter is going to run down. And so it's, but I know that you're supposed to, from a scoring perspective, you're supposed to balance shot and lock on. A little bit more evenly so that you can keep that multiplier that counter higher yeah i mean what you're talking about though is still a lot more interesting in um the base ketsui game because uh just because of how you start chains and whatnot in the x mode like the chains last a super long time (laughs) and uh, you can only start them on specific enemies, so it becomes not very interesting to just use lock shot like that. Huh. Like, you'll be, like, just using only the lock shot for, like, a 30-second section or something, which is not interesting. What? That's, like, basically the if entire game. 30 seconds is not Well, the not the entire game, but, like, a good... It's very long section, so maybe not quite 30. Well, there's there's probably at least one section where you just hold it for 30 seconds, but maybe like 20 or something would be more accurate. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it seems like uh, similar to Destiny, it might be a mode that would be more attractive for um, for players that have a hard time with the regular arcade mode that maybe if yeah, they don't have to concentrate right. as much on on balancing shot and focus uh, back and forth as much, you know, without that sort of push-pull tension of that of that uh, that system there. If they can do more, 
just holding on the lock shot and just focusing on dodging, routing, etc. It might be a it might be an okay mode for for newer players to kind of get in and help them learn the stages a little bit better in terms of the base enemy layouts and and patterns and things. You know, so it might might still be worth a look. Yeah, it seems fine for pure survival play, I think, but. Uh, when you get into scoring, death to, Destiny mode is way more interesting, you think? Absolutely. It probably isn't as interesting for pure survival, though, Destiny mode. That game is basically just score, you're not going to get much out of it, really. You're talking about Destiny, right? Yeah, we're talking about Destiny. The thing I like yeah. about Destiny, from what I've seen of it, is that it's pretty easy to survive, but scoring has a very high skill ceiling. So, yep. like, it yeah. kind of, like, just the easy survival kind of encourages you to score better or, like, mm-hmm. get you into scoring like better too. if you're, like, a newer player. I think it's a really clever way they went about, because I think that was all intentional. Basically, the idea was they wanted to create an arrange that both appealed to newcomers who weren't quite, you know, experienced enough to handle arcade mode but also offer something to expert players who wanted some interesting scoring mechanics. So that's, I think that's how they struck that balance there, where basically if you're playing it for survival, you're playing a whole different play style than if you're playing it for scoring, especially since, well, just to explain to people, in Destiny mode, there's a, there's a button, you hold bomb, and you can actually turn on harder difficulty mid-game and so it starts shooting uh, more intense patterns at you, and then it's the same as Ura patterns. Yeah, it, sh- I believe. it throws Ura patterns at you without the suicide without bullets. Without the bullets, yeah. So it's still not nearly as hard. No, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, and it's interesting because it also gives you a bunch of extends, and so for newer players, that's great because you have just more lives to work with, more mistakes you can make. But if you're an expert player, what it wants you to do is to suicide those extends for meter and then to use that meter to gain more points, kind of like Garega style. So mm. I think it's a really cool range and definitely if when you guys are doing your scoring uh, scoring club, I'll be playing some Destiny for sure. Yeah, I mean, in a way, the way you're describing it, it almost reminds me of, and it's not a one-to-one thing, but it reminds me a little bit of, of novice mode for... Um, for Crimson Clover, because I mean, KZ, you know, you went back and and you were playing Crimson Clover Novice, but you were going you were just going strictly for score, and you obliterated that game in terms of of scoring in Novice mode. Oh, that's kind of funny because uh, for that run, I just completely forgot how to score stage four, so I played it mostly for survival, and then at the very end, I remembered that if you got like a double break. And you speed killed like the last few enemies. The po- you get a lot of points from killing like the popcorn at the very very end in double break mode. You just get like a, l- a lot of points, right? Yeah, and so in 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 a similar fashion, I mean, novice mode in in Crimson Clover, I would say, is no joke. You know, it's not as easy as Destiny mode from a strictly survival standpoint. But you know, that's. I'm, I consider myself still kind of a noob when it comes to Danmaku games. But when I started playing that game, I, you know, I cleared novice mode within a couple of weeks. So it's really not super difficult. But that's an interesting approach like that where, you know, you went back and, 
and focused on just the scoring aspect of it, even though the novice mode itself is not overly difficult, you know, going in and focusing on that. And so I think in some ways it reminded me of Destiny in that, you know, Destiny mode, you, you have, like you were saying, Mark, the game itself in Destiny mode is easy because you don't have, it's almost like an auto bomb feature. Yeah. Uh, you don't have bombs in Destiny. What you have is this Death Troy menu, or uh, uh, not menu, but um, meter at the bottom of the screen. And as you as you shoot down enemies and you get these blue chips, then uh, that fills that meter. And then you can also fill the meter by getting bomb icons and um, one-up Yeah. when that happens. Uh, and then when that meter is full then you can hit the bomb button to activate death droid mode uh, and it'll do a bullet cancel. Um, but then as you kill enemies in death droid mode, then it turns to gaining these gold chips instead of the blue chips. And that's all score, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another interesting, I think if I wonder how much Crimson Clover actually influenced destiny mode because there's a lot of parallels between the two because when you activate your i just whatever your hyper or whatever it's break. called in destiny mode yeah it's like you can break and then you can double break and then you can triple break Uh-oh. in destiny mode really yeah because if yes because if you hit bomb again it if you goes suicide to level. enough times you can do like 20 breaks. yeah yeah if you suicide i don't think it gives much extra score at that point but yeah so it's like um so it's like a Crimson Clover in that way, except it takes it to the next level because, like you, like Mog said, you can suicide for meter and stuff and just keep it going. Interesting. See, that's an element that I wasn't aware of with uh, Destiny mode. So I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more and maybe watch some replays so I can get a better a, a better idea of, of how you implement that. Because, yeah, I mean, so- one assumes that you have to suicide at strategic points in order to really get the benefit from that yeah definitely well yeah so when you're hit when you hit that a meter once it activates your hyper but if you keep hitting it if you have a full meter you'll get level two and then when it gets nearly to the end if you hit it again you'll get a level three and then you get like the the gold boxes get bigger and stuff too and you get a lot more points that's kind of the way you really start cashing in big scores okay especially if you activate the death die mode by holding bomb, which makes the the patterns get harder. I love that uh, range, death, man. Death die mode gives way more score. Yeah. If you if you play for score at all, you, it's pretty much required to use, or might as well just be. Have it on at all times, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the times that you forget to turn it back <laughs> on again. Just hold B the entire game. It happens way too often. <laughs> well, and I. I'm assuming that that's how, because I know when you were talking to Iconoclast on your podcast, Mark, about Destiny mode, I'm assuming that using Death Die is how he achieved, um, you know, uh, the high scores that he got in Destiny mode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah but it's a it's a really neat arrange because, like you said, it, it does it does it, it it is easier to do. I mean. When I played it the first time, when I first got the game, I think when I was back in like November of 2018, I think when it, when it came out and when I got it in the mail and 
the first time I played Destiny mode, I got a one-all, which completely uh, floored me because I'm like, how? I, I'm terrible with these games. You know, how am I how am I doing this? But then I realized that, you know, when I kind of thought about it, it's like, oh, well, instead of an auto bomb, it does it activates the death joy meter when you take a hit. Uh, and so then that that does an immediate bullet cancel and starts the gold chips. Uh, and so a lot of that is is staving off the the death in favor of using up some of your meter. Um, so, yeah, from strictly a survival standpoint, it's easier to to do and easier to get through the game. Now, I haven't I haven't got the one all since then, but the last couple of times I played it here during the course of the month, uh, I did manage to get to stage five. And actually, when I played it uh, last night, my last run through uh, Destiny mode, I ended up scoring better by just reaching stage five and getting partway through it uh, than I did on my initial one-all. So I would imagine that I would have scored even better if I had if I had known about kind of doubling up and tripling up on the on the death droid mode and knowing how and when to do that. Um, because then I could have really increased the, the amount of points I was getting for those gold boxes. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to push your score up a lot higher. Um, yeah, so people getting into Ketsui, um, compared to many other shmups, even bullet hell shmups, uh, uh, Ketsui, just the arcade game itself, is pretty challenging, to say the least. And so, if you're wanting to check it out, I definitely do recommend if you start playing Ketsui and you're just uh, having a really hard time with difficulty, go ahead and start playing some Destiny mode because it's kind of a great way to get acquainted with the game, how the game works, um, the the patterns, the enemies, the bullet, uh, the boss fights, all that stuff. So, definitely yeah. a great arrange for that as well. And and I would say super easy mode is another good one to check out as well, especially if you're newer to Danmaku games, because it's an easy mode. It will allow you to see the stages and get at least a little bit of a flavor for, for how the game is and how it flows. You're not going to get the full bullet patterns and all that stuff. Um, so you ought to be able to clear it pretty quickly. But hey, if nothing else, you'll get an, you'll unlock an achievement for it. And, um, you know, it'll feel good to have at least completed the one loop of the game, even if it's, as the name says, super easy. <laughs> I know. Is there actually Ura and Omote loops in super easy? No. Oh, wow. Hey, Mark, you brought up in one of your... The scoring is still hard in super easy, though. Go ahead, Addicted. No, that's right. <laughs> All right, Shmup Master, tell me, so... <laughs> Or Shmup Father, I should say. And tell me, on one of your videos, you brought up an idea that mo most cave games, your average player will be able to get past stage one and have a little bit or have some difficulty in stage two. But stage three is where they usually say, all right, you've learned the basics of this game. Now we're going to show you the full game. Yeah, definitely. And that holds true in Ketsui, too. <laughs> stage three is not, not playing around, huh, Casey? Yeah, uh, except the <laughs> the uh, point at which the game gets, like, your first big challenge in Ketsui, unlike in most cave games, isn't stage two. It's actually just, the st isn't stage three, it's the stage two mid-boss. Like, yes. 
That's true. The stage three mid boss is the yeah, big gatekeeper, and then after that, like I feel like the um, the game just gets like you know significantly harder. I feel like in Katsuri, instead of like how in usually in Cave, there's just a big difficulty spike after stage two. It feels like there's a similar difficulty spike after like pretty much every stage. Yeah, because yeah. stage two definitely. I mean, stage one starts out. Like, stage 2 in Katsuri is way harder than, like, pretty much any other cave stage 2, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely way harder than even DOJ's stage 2. <laughs> I think I, like, no-missed DOJ's stage 2 on my first try, I think. Yeah, I know. But in Katsuri, I don't think... I don't... I didn't make it to stage 3 on my first and try. And the stage 2 boss in uh, Kets, no joke either, the tank... Oh, oh yeah, the, there's yeah. the there's the one a lot of, pattern, a lot of people have trouble the one with the pattern that attack. gets people every single time. Yeah, the, the grenades. grenades. Yeah, I, I started. is immune to their grenades, but the rest of us. Are I started not. bombing the grenades <laughs> just because yeah, was, like, I get so nervous. Actually, like even if I can do it like very consistently in practice, uh, in a full run, I just get so nervous during the grenades that I that I've messed up a lot. So I just you know like. Bombing that section isn't really cause that costly to your score, so I just started bombing it. Yeah, I think I was always kind of okay at the grenades, just like due to dodging practice that in other games that weren't shmups. Like most other patterns and shmups were a lot harder to me, just because I'm not used to like I don't know. I guess all the bullets coming from like the top at right. you know, the top of the screen. So I often do better with patterns like that. For the diagonal reason. ones. It's pretty weird. There's also, like, the pattern before the last pattern in Toho 11 that I'm, like, oddly, like, crazy uh, good at. On Lunatic, on my first attempt, I no-miss-no-bombed it. Wait, are so, you talking about the one, the, the one with, like, the two suns? Yeah, two suns. Yeah, and I remember the first time I played Ketsui... And I got to stage the stage three mid boss with the you know the tanker or whatever it is the battleship. I was like, this game's absurd, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this game is this game is just ridiculous. Well, yeah. And the, the thing about the stage two boss with those those grenade bombs that the, I have difficulty with that because, like you were saying, Moglar, you know the patterns that come from the top of the screen in a vertical shmup. Those, I can see them coming, and I can sort of anticipate where I need to be, or or at least have some idea. Or yeah, you, or in a you're more used to those patterns, where I was more used to uh, patterns that don't just come from the top. Okay, yeah, or like in a horizontal shmup, you know, if you're flying from left to right, and there are bullet patterns and stuff coming from the right, I can sort of anticipate where they're going, kind of see their trajectory. Whereas with the grenade bomb it's a little bit of cognitive dissonance for me because my enemy is right in front of me and I want to shoot him mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, do that, but I'm expecting him to shoot back at me in that sense. But instead I'm getting this stuff that's coming in from the side. And so I'm, I'm having to figure out in real time where it is that I can slip through that. And yeah, it's, I just have a little bit of difficulty with that. So yeah. as, Every time I come up against that, when I was playing arcade challenge mode to, you know, get multiple tries at it, there were there were a few times early on where I I think I probably lost almost all 20 of my 
of my uh, tries on just the grenade bomb patterns. I think the first time I ever did the grenade pattern successfully, I literally tilted my head sideways. <laughs> you know, it's making me like, think, the, too. The, Ketsui is one of the first cave games I can recall that has bullets coming from somewhere other than the top of the yeah. screen. Like uh, like know. in Dodonpachi, that, or that stuff never happens, right? Nope. Stuff doesn't come um, from the bottom of the screen the very Hibachi much. Hibachi blue bullets... Yeah, I mean, if you want to count Hibachi. I guess, no way. I guess. <laughs> what, you mean the it's part where he, the blue storm where he has the bullets come yeah, from? Yeah, the all, one that comes from all four pattern. sides. Yeah. Other than blue storm, though, I don't think there's any other patterns in uh, Dodonpachi that have stuff coming from the bottom of the screen. Uh, Just Dodonpachi or, like, stuff like DOJ? Dodonpachi. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't think Ket's so. Before, Ket think came before DOJ, DOJ anyway. I'm pretty sure, right? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It came like half a year oh, later. Because okay. DOJ has um the hot the or um maybe it was, more was than it Koryu final? It was more than a year. The first loop Koryu final final where you have to dodge that like you know weird maze. Yeah, yeah. It bounces off the walls and stuff. I mean, it's still a little. Yeah. Um, oh, I. I it's a bit different than some of Ketsui's yeah. stuff. Like Ketsui's <laughs> like patterns that come from below you. And yeah, shit, like Ketsui has stuff Ketsui. that comes straight up from below you. Yeah, and then you have like, and then you have stuff like bullets. Doom Phase Two is my favorite. Or things that shoot bullets horizontally, like the Stage One mid boss, like the missiles. Yeah. Or the uh, or the Avacanir Doom Final, where which is like the bullets that shoot tails of bullets. Or even <laughs> think of the uh, stage. I think it's stage. I get confused which one it is. I think it's stage four where he has those side options that come down, and they have. They shoot those horizontal yeah, ones, and you have that to like. Awesome. Yeah, those. That is a tough one too. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Pattern. That one is very difficult. <laughs> and and then there's the last pattern where you literally. The spin. Yes. <laughs> like they were getting really. And there's one where you go the above the, the, boss. the patterns in this uh, game. If you but think that about one, it. Yeah. That last pattern though, that is, that really isn't that difficult because as long as you're constantly moving, um, you know. <laughs> You're, you're out of the line of fire. Uh, you have to control how fast you're um, tapping based on like where you are relative to the spirals, and then if the spirals start going the other way, then you have to do something differently. That pattern in Ura is one of the hardest patterns in the game, actually, but in Loop 1, that's pretty easy. I Pretty much everyone planned bombs at in Ura, if they have a bomb. I could see that. Oh, yeah. In, in Ura, if you... um, It's doable in Omote, but still do you do it? In, do you do it in Omote, too, like the planned bomb there? Um, sometimes. Like, I can no miss a bomb it, like, kinda reliably. In a is it the... Is it it's the hard, speed? Though. It's the speed, right? Yeah, it's the speed. The speed mix. Yeah, just cause, like, from what I see, if this... When, if the, uh... The spiral goes the other way, you're just, like, effed. Yeah, you are. The red bullets, like, when they get fired out... Um, they go closer to you when they initially get fired out because of the bullet speed. So you have, like, no room. You have to be right next to the edge of the screen at all times, pretty much, or you're dead. Oh, while we're speaking of, uh, patterns, we gotta mention the... I think it's the third boss final attack where it's those oh, blue balls yeah. and pink balls or whatever. It's the pattern that looks the hardest, but it's actually the easiest. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I was doing a bunch of like no miss, no bomb attempts 
for the state for stage three, where I was doing like high scoring attempts there, I would die so many times to that to that pattern. Are you staying at the bottom? Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's just do that, that, like, you know, you're trying to do something, and then you see your ship explode, and you're just like, oh, crap. It, it'll get me sometimes still, even though I know what Almost to do. Almost had to put a beep there. You're talking about the pattern where you hug the wall, right? You basically hug the, yeah. the red wall? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the... I remember when I first saw that pattern, too, I was like, what is this game trying to do to me? Like, I could not <laughs> And then you realize that it's like oh, yeah, I could not believe one of the easiest pattern. patterns in loop one once you know how to do it. Pretty much never die to it. Oh, that's where the the groupings of the red balls sort of crisscross and yeah. sort of do a sine wave down the screen or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I kind of figured out that you just sort of stay in the middle there. Uh, at least uh, when I was playing, you sort of stay in the middle and just sort of slightly correct left and right to sort of stay out of the way of them but you can I can pretty much kind of you know stay out of harm's way so that I wasn't near the blue section I think you're a bit low on the screen when I was watching you in loop one you want to be a bit higher Oh. Okay. in loop two you want to be right at the bottom though okay that makes sense because of the bullet speed right now, uh, did anybody run into problems with the Xbox planes in the stage three? There's two of them. I think you cut out a bit there. I'm not sure. Oh, sorry. Um, it's one of the Xbox planes in stage three. I wonder how much of a beginner's trap those are. If anyone had trouble with those. Oh yeah, those which, are a huge beginner's Which trap. Xbox planes? planes? You mean the golden? But well, the, you wouldn't know the, that the big bombers. Oh, they're jokingly yeah. called the Xbox. Yeah, planes. I think you mean the Golden Bats. Yeah, they're they're actually uh, the big Delta. The they're big hard. Delta planes are actually named Golden Bats in uh, honor of the uh, ship from Garega, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah, those are a huge beginner's trap because if you don't kill those things right away, um, yeah, you're gonna have a tough time, especially you know when you're first learning the game and trying to play for survival. I saw people actually go around them and go around the top, which is something I tried doing and w was fun to do, but I don't think it did anything for scoring or survival. Uh, for the second Could for I... the second one at the very, very end of the stage, you wanna like go around it. You wanna like you wanna yeah, do you, you wanna around you wanna it. around the world um, dot like <laughs> circle it. Yep. I think you with the, that strategy you um I think it's a bit higher scoring because you can kill a couple extra enemies that you wouldn't normally be able to kill in time before they leave the screen. Yeah. But it's actually just kind of straight up easier than the alternative strat as well. So it just looks so cool. It, at least. It also looks cooler, even if it's actually easier. But yeah. yeah. Well, any excuse I can get to fly around a plane in a, in a shmup, I'm going to do it because <laughs> I just find that delightful. You must like the stage four boss final. Well, <laughs> so that one forces you to forces me to. Yeah, I don't. I don't look as swag when it forces me to. <laughs> I guess so. I remember <laughs> when I got my first one all in DDP. There's the part in the stage six. I don't know if you've seen this video, where you know you're supposed the one where it has the tanks coming down and then the turrets on the sides just before the big red planes. I was going into that, I had no idea how to do that section, but I managed to survive it by literally circling the screen like two times <laughs> in the most uh, 
un- ineffective shmupping ever, but I was extremely proud of that. I think I even mentioned it in the comment of the video or something. You know how um, right before Doom Phase 2, there's like a long break uh, while he fires the missiles out yes. before they start shooting at you? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes people, like just because there's nothing to do, they just spin around him once. It's kind of funny. It doesn't do anything. I think it actually loses like a very small amount of tick points, but that doesn't really matter at all. So. You care about tick points in this game? Wow. <laughs> He's Moglar. Yeah, that's true. He cares about tick points. Okay, so wait a second. <laughs> L- this is this is a good segue to maybe transition into into talking about the scoring a little bit more in depth because I, I'm not familiar with tech points. This is something that I I haven't heard. Tick points are irrelevant. Uh, they are very irrelevant. Okay. It's just like, you know, it's just it's the just, utmost, um, I don't want to put the this. the points you get for just hitting enemies with your bullets, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just like it's the just most like a thing that's there to optimization be is just when you think about tick yeah. belt, when you think about how many tick points you're getting, like. It'd probably be super obnoxious for tassing, but <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much irrelevant for human play, at least. Okay. So, I mean, like, this is that's the kind of thing that you would focus on if you have optimized the game to the nth degree already. If you have literally optimized everything to perfection, which is basically impossible, yep. <laughs> then sure, go for it. <laughs> have fun. One, one aspect of point optimization, too, about this game that's interesting is the boss milking, where... You can basically dismantle yeah. different parts of the bosses for more points, but the uh, the consequence is that they get mad at you, and then you have to fight you know more aggravated patterns and stuff like that. So there's only there's only really like three different boss milks in Ketsui. There's like the the first one where you take apart the helicopter with like the little pods. Yeah. Um, yep. There's the sec- um So it's like actually a bit harder because you have to time them properly, but like otherwise the um, the patterns themselves aren't more difficult unless you're going for like a very super difficult milk. Uh, yeah, stage one and two milks are like those are like the only actual boss scoring strategies yeah. really. But the third boss, um, you want to e-lock at, uh, every phase destruction, which is insanely precise. But same yeah. thing for stage. You can also do that on phase one of the stage four boss, but that gets you like that gets you like three more tri- that gets you like three more five chips, which doesn't really matter. Well, if you do it perfectly, uh, if you time it perfectly, you can actually get like, uh, I guess, well, you get like fifty multiplier, which is probably like one hundred to two hundred k, but it's pretty small. Yeah, just shot killing versus lock killing is there's pretty much no difference. So yeah. But the funny thing is, How about the funny the thing is, um, stage four, don't you milk that one? Hmm? The, oh, the, the mid boss of stage, stage one. Four? It's stage, oh, you, milk it in, stage four. you milk it in the second you loop. You empty lock it. Also, yeah, you can. You milk it in the second, second loop, loop because the uh, one of the pat- the blue pattern in the first phase shoots revenge bullets. So you time. Um, so you do this thing where you prolong the first phase and time the destruction so that you don't so that you get more multiplier and you don't have to like um, and deal with the second phase that much like the blue it's both easier that strategy is both easier for score and survival the the real scoring strategy potential there would be um, <coughs> to 
delay the boss kill on phase two and dodge the the full blue pattern. Oh, that is so stupid. It's uh, it's pretty hard. Yeah. In Ura, it can give like one mil if you do the whole thing. Though. SPS strats. Yeah, I think yeah. I've seen As some kind of milk. He does not do thing. that. No. <laughs> he does some. He does some crazy stuff. Maybe he should. Like but I've seen him like not. play DOJ. Where on in DOJ in stage four, <laughs> he'll time out the first phase of the boss just so that he uh, just so that the second phase has more health and he can milk it more. Because the second phase has the um, yeah. the little like the discs that come out, right? Yeah, those discs. Yeah. And he also does the, the stage one three full chain. Oh my in god! White Rebel. Yeah. SPS is loop one route in that game is pretty ridiculous. Oh, oh, one more thing I wanted to mention is back to the milking. Uh, Mark, you mentioned that uh, milking uh, boss patterns, bosses in Ketsui, or in like just any shmup in general, gives you diff more difficult patterns. And the mm -hmm. stage 2 milk, where you um, kill the treads in like some really timely, in, at really strategic points. Um, so if you kill the um, if you kill the treads while the grenade is coming out, it, the blue bullets cancel into 5 chips. For some reason, yep. but if you're doing that milk, then you have to dodge the grenade pattern a lot longer, and um, like successive iterations of the grenade pattern get faster too. So it's really, really yeah. stupid. <laughs> Taking apart bosses in this game doesn't actually make the patterns harder. It sometimes actually makes them easier, but um, the longer you wait around on a boss, the harder the patterns get. Yeah, this is true they for get some more aggressive. Cave games as well. Yeah, like if you just <laughs> if you just load up a boss save state or something and just uh, don't shoot at all, <laughs> like after a couple minutes, it'll be way harder than it yeah. is at first. I actually saw a um, video where I sometimes do. It I actually fun. saw a video <laughs> where some guy actually successfully timed out the stage one boss in Ketsui. <laughs> And at the very e very end, the pattern, the game, like the bullet patterns, just looked like Raiden patterns. The, the, there's one really funny thing you can do on the stage one boss that I saw uh, during a haze stream. Um, so if you take uh, all four uh, side pods out, the f boss only fires the red aimed spread at you. <laughs> so you can just uh, keep tap dodging it and it gets... Because the... I, I think it's like each time the... Uh, boss pattern cycle it gets faster so it just keeps getting faster and faster that one aimed red spread and it gets insanely fast is, is it possible to time it out or does it get so fast yeah, that you can. just get walled no, no. you time oh. it out but like the pattern is just so fast it looks all like you have to do pattern. is just keep tapping so <laughs> you just keep tapping that's funny that's interesting though, because in Dodonpachi it's not like that. Um, the the bosses don't don't get more aggressive if you time them out or anything. They just keep doing yeah. their thing. But timing them out takes so long. How long does it take to time a boss out in Ketsui? Would you say? Uh, I think a, a boss phase is like well, you can see it on the M two port, but it's like three minutes ish, maybe two and a half. I don't know. Just for a phase, though. Yeah, because I remember I was trying to time out... I think it was the stage one boss, and it took forever to time it out. 
Well, yeah, because that's three minutes per phase. So that's that's going to be lengthy. <laughs> yes. I know Doom Phase 2 is two minutes because I've messed around on, on that. How do you time the Doom Phase reason. 2 out? Like, that, that, that phase just murders well, me all the time. Yeah, well, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do the upside down one reliably at all, but uh, I've just been thinking about that sometimes because I think in um, Destiny mode, you can theoretically actually milk that phase. <laughs> so, till timeout, you can probably get like 30 mil or something from it, I think. Huh. So, overall, what would you say your guys' favorite stages in Ketsui are? I don't really have an opinion on it at this point. You're just, <laughs> just too deep. You're too deep in yeah. too deep into it. Mine is stage three. Uh, stage three. I my hate favorite. stage three so much. For a while, stage three was my favorite in loop two specifically, but in loop one, I still didn't really have an opinion. How about you, Guru? What's your favorite? Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite so far. I mean, I kind of, I don't know. I. I've spent a lot of time in stage one, uh, less time in stage two, and then even less in the others. But I don't know. Strictly from maybe probably stage two right now, just because um, it's it's more interesting for me in terms of the routing than than stage one. You know, stage one's pretty basic. You know, the, I, I did f- figure out something in stage one. A little bit later in the month where, uh, as I was taking on the mid-boss, I could um, I could basically use a couple of the tanks on the ground to take out for five chips right when I was about to kill the boss so that I could get five chips from the boss. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, stage two, I think, is a little bit more interesting in terms of routing it because it's a little bit more than just back and forth. And there's a little bit more, uh, it's also a little bit more intense. And so I think those two elements combined, right now at least, it's uh, making stage two more interesting to play. Shoutouts to the part uh, in stage two right before the mid-boss for being like one of the most complicated sections in the entire game to optimize. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. What do you think of stage five? Because that's another. I really like stage five as well. Just how absurd it is. (laughs) Stage five. I don't know. I guess if I maybe had to pick a favorite, uh, maybe it'd be stage five. Just because. I mean, really, it's just because it has more to do than any other stage. It's longer. It's crazy, dude. It's harder to optimize. It's got. It's got a lot going on in it. The first. You know what I mean? It's got the first section yeah. there where it's like a little bit well, of a... One thing that I like about Stage 5 is that you can be near um, 999 stage multiplier for a lot of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think... That's op- the, optimal opt- scoring, like multi- uh, the optimal scoring technique yeah. is to be at 999 but right before the mid-boss and then use the, use the popcorn empty lock after the mid-boss to get back up to 999. And then there's like a couple of there's like a couple of places where if you popcorn empty lock, the popcorn rushes like crazy. You get just get up to 9.99 and it's just silly. 
Yeah, I think multiplier management is more interesting when you're at when you're near 999, and that's why I'd maybe like stage five the most if I had to pick. But that's like a high level concern, I guess. <laughs> What's your fave, Casey? I think my favorite's like stage four. Just the opening half of stage four, especially. And then <laughs> yeah, I love that section. Oh yeah, I like the mid boss too. Both sections of stage I hate four. I, I really hate the like mid boss so much just because like the um, the second phase blue pattern I could never like dodge consistently. But when you do, you feel amazing when you get through that second phase. At least I do. <laughs> oh, I just bomb yeah. it now. Like I have a plan bomb. That, I have a few plan bombs, and that's one of them. You should learn the safe route. Well, what I do is I, what do you, I need to watch more carefully, but I actually uh, dodge it unlocked, unfocused, but that's probably not the, the optimal way to do it. <laughs> you want to wait around a cycle, and then uh, if you're, unless you want to do the empty lock, you want to wait around a cycle and then kill it during the full blue attack. Because during the phase transi transition, it thinks that attack is continuing, so... When the phase starts, you don't have to dodge much of it, and then it uh, it dies like right before you have to start dodging any of it again. Well, that's definitely so, good to know. Yeah, actually, uh, stage four is also a stage that I could maybe also consider my favorite, but it's also it might also be my least played stage because, funnily enough, um, for one of the reasons I like it a lot is because. The first half of the stage has a lot of empty locking, so if you're playing it over and over again, it gets pretty tiring on your hands. I can't really play it for more than two hours at a time. Oh, yeah. So while while we have you guys on here, you guys better explain how empty locking works and how to do it. Uh. <laughs> Alright, so it's in Ketsui, you get, you get chips from a few different sources. So there's a chip that you get when you uh, you get one chip if you shot kill a thing. Uh, you get a little more chips, I believe, um, if you're locking if you're lock killing, right? On any medium sized enemy, you get more chips from uh, lock killing. Same thing with same thing with, same thing with you... popcorn though, right? Like that's why the uh, no. no. Okay. Ah, okay. So. Every enemy in the game gives one chip for a shot kill. Larger enemies give many chips for a lock kill. <clears throat> but the thing is, for Zako locking at least, the, uh, the locked chip and the shot chip are treated separately. So if you change uh, to lock at a very specific timing, you can get both of those chips from any Zako or any medium-sized enemy as yeah. well. For medium-sized enemies, you can get a ton of chips from e-locking by changing to lock as it dies. Yeah, because the, because the uh, chips are not from the explosion, you're getting, right? That's how the... Um... Yeah. So <clears throat> those chips, to get them, you don't have to kill an enemy with lock. You just need to be in lock shot. So if you change to lock shot while it's dying, you get all those lock chips. Yeah. One of the things you see... Um, that's the easiest example of empty locking is if you shot kill the first phase of the stage 2 boss and you just hold down lock, you get this like you get a bunch of 5 chips that just rain down on you so, yeah yeah. You, you don't even need to try to uh, you don't even need to try to do anything you just like, while it's like, while it's going from phase 1 to phase 2, like any time you hold on to lock you're gonna get a lot of 5 chips yeah 
you don't need to precisely time it or anything yeah. there, um, unless you want to be super optimal. But yeah. Also, the first uh, the two big planes in stage one. Everyone e-locks those guys. Even people who do not understand e-locking in the slightest e-lock. Yeah, basically. Yes, and I and I wanted I wanted to talk about that because first of all, I want to get a point of clarification. You guys are using the term Zacco. Can can somebody explain what that means? Zacco is all of the the very small enemies with a very low amount of health. Okay, is that a Japanese term? That is a Japanese yeah. term. Okay. So it's basically their equivalent of popcorn, essentially. Yeah. 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 So okay. Same exact meaning. So but for mid the, the e-locking, the the e-locking on the stage one of the large planes. I wanted to ask about that because how I've been doing that is when they come up and and KZ, this is based on kind of what you told me, I think. But essentially, when they come up, uh, I I lock onto them immediately. And then the the plane in arcade, they'll shoot out four of these streams of these sort of uh, blue laser things or whatever. Yeah, the and blue lines. Right after, right after the, right after the the fourth one comes out of the plane, I'll release the lock and then relock on, and then I'll get a bunch of chips. And then, when, right when the plane is flashing and I see it's going to explode, I release the lock and redo it again, and then I'll get more. And yep. so, what what you're saying, Moglar, is that the that you don't get the e the e lock is not by releasing the lock; it's by doing the lock, lock. when yeah. the enemy is exploding. Yeah, if you do it too early, though, you'll you'll just get a lock kill. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And if you don't have a, if you don't have a, a chip timer going, uh, and that happens, then it's really uh, bad. If you do have one going and it happens, it's not that big of a deal. You just lose some multiplier, that or lose some of the stage multiplier at least that you could have used later. So okay, ideally, I, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, you know, I, I there have been times when I try to do that and I either. I either go too early or I wait too long, and then when I let go and re-engage the lock, then I'll get a bunch of one chips from it, and then when I do it at the end, sometimes I'll literally get one one chip, uh, even though I'm up in the enemy's face. Uh, and so... Yeah, that's because you lock killed. Okay, that makes sense. Proximity, proximity doesn't matter for lock kills. Yeah, Proximity doesn't matter for lock kills. It's just what your um. The only thing that determines what the value of your chip chain is is um, shot killing. One th- one other thing that you can do with e locking, um, if you uh, switch to lock and your shot hits an enemy from very far away, you can still get the five chips because you're getting the lock chips from them, which doesn't take proximity into account instead of the shot yeah. chips. You see that in a bunch of places in replays, like that. That um, gets abused a lot in the um, in some in certain empty locks, like the stage two, the um, the few empty locks right before the stage two mid boss. You see that where it's like you know how the f- yeah. did you get those five chips on those t- like the random tanks that aren't really next to you? Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying like if you're if you're using a regular shot on an enemy, and then you go to do the e lock and you lock at the right time while there's still shots traveling up the screen, 
when you get that lock kill and you lock in, uh, and, and then you get that five chip level or whatever, you're saying then when those shots go up and hit those enemies, then after that, you're getting five chips from those kills. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, uh, you, you, there, you get, uh, you, <laughs> okay, so you want those to be shot kills, what I'm talking about. So the, the shot kills the enemy, but you're in, but you have lock shot up, so you, so the game thinks that you're getting the lock chips from the enemy instead of the shot chips. Oh. Yup. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. If you don't understand anything that I'm saying, then that's... <laughs> Maybe to be expected. Yeah, empty locking is really weird. It's complicated. Yeah, and one of the things that I, you know, we haven't really, we haven't really talked about. We've kind of danced around it a lot, but we haven't actually talked about the basics of the scoring system. Um, you know, for people that <laughs> we're already talking about the most complicated stuff of all time. I don't know, like the still Mushi, have not talked uh, about the, the Mushi auto fire, um, like the Mushi uh, maniac slash ultra, like auto-fire glitch things or just feel, just feel a lot more complicated than empty locking? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because... I haven't tried it myself, so I have no opinion on that. Because empty locking, uh, based on what you told me, Moglar, is basically just a glitch um, that allows you to essentially exploit, or it's an exploit, I guess you could say, uh, that um, allows you to get double the chips based on what you guys were talking about before. You can get double or you can get a lot. Uh, or get way more than double if you're killing a, uh, a bigger enemy. Yeah. But a lot of the time... Ideally... Uh, on bigger enemies, a lot of the time why you even do an E-lock is just to save uh, your lock-on multiplier for later instead of using it on that enemy. Yeah. Uh, or you can also... If you have to kill a big enemy and there's no way to start a chip chain, uh, you, you can just e-lock and get all the chips anyway. So huh. the, the basis of the scoring system is that you want to kill a small enemy with shot, then you want to, then you start like a, there's like the, you, there are three multipliers, there's like the three numbers from top to bottom. The top, but, uh, the top number is your stage multiplier, so that's like, this one does, that not, one matter does not matter at all until, at all the, until the, boss. the boss and the end of stage, and you just want to build it up as much as possible. Yeah, what then. it basically is is like your um, end of stage life and bomb bonuses are multiplied by that stage multiplier, as well as the bosses. Um, it's the boss multiplier as well. Um, then you have the middle multiplier. Yeah, that's like the the number in the middle of the screen. That's for if you um, that's for if you uh, lock kill an enemy, then you get um, that you get score equal to that. This is only. Yeah, this is only for the stages. If you lock kill an enemy, and you, uh, yeah, sorry, if you lock kill an enemy, that enemy's uh, base value gets multiplied by the the um, middle multiplier, and you get that much score. Uh, but your middle multiplier kind of catches out after a little bit, and then you have the chip timer. Um, yeah, go. did you want to say yeah. something? The middle multiplier caps out at nine hundred ninety nine, and you hit hit that cap. Uh, I think in every stage of the if game. If you're good. Optimally. If you're, like, really yeah. freaking good. And, and and the the top counter, since you're since you're you're building that up based on the chip values, right? 
You build you build up both yeah. multipliers based both of them are built up based off of chip values, but you can cash out your um, lock multiplier. So if you um, use your if you lock kill an enemy, not only do you um, multiply its base value by your the middle multiplier you have at the time, it also kind of, it also decreases a little bit. Right, and so the the way to the way to get a the way to get your basically the to determine the value of the chip that you're going to get from a standard shot kill is proximity. Yeah. Proximity. So like if you're if you're at the bottom of the screen and you're shooting enemies that are coming from the top of the screen, you're going to get ones. I think sometimes you can you can just get nothing even. Right. Yeah. So so the closer you get to an enemy determines the value of what those chips are going to be. And so the 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 fives are when you get really close to an enemy. And this is one of the things that is both brilliant and devious <laughs> about the design of this game, because it, it, it's, it's sucking me in because it's so, there's that little bit of, of, um, what am I, how, how am I want to put this? Is it a visual uh, reward? Yeah, it's a visual reward. Yeah. It's that it's that little sort of mini dopamine rush that you get when you when you can get those five chips because Cave knew what they were doing. And I I mentioned this yeah. in that uh, there's something about Ketsui thread on the the Shmup forum was that Cave knew exactly what they were doing when they designed that because the one chips are tiny, the five chips are large. So obviously you you get more of that visual reward by getting a whole bunch of five chips coming at you rather than these tiny little one chips. And so it really is a, uh, a very um, instant gratification kind of thing. But then, like I said, it's these little mini dopamine rushes when you can shot kill uh, a couple of enemies or a small grouping or whatever, and then switch to the lock and kind of sweep back and forth and route through the stage and then get a whole bunch of, of successive kills and be milking, or not milking, but getting all these five chips, regardless of whether or not you're really close to those enemies during that time when you've got that, that chip counter. Um, so it's really satisfying to do that. And I, I, I know that when this game was being designed, they had to know that that was going to be an effective an effective way to get people to want to do that more to encourage them mm -hmm. and sort of organically teach you how to, how to, how to get those things so that you would learn the nuance of the scoring system a little bit. It's also very easy to get into, like compared to something like Dodonpachi. I can't Dodonpachi chain for my even life. a lot of other even a lot of other cave games. This one, the scoring is a lot easier to get into. But for high-level players as well, it's also, like, probably the most complicated game they ever made. So, besides maybe arguably Mushi, but... What about, like, what about like Pro Gear, don't though? I really think so. What about, like, Pro mm. Gear scoring, though? Uh, Not that I know too much uh, about Pro <laughs> Gear scoring, but... Uh, actually, I was going to say that, ironically enough, I heard that the Ketsui scoring system was actually designed at the la very last minute. Uh, I've heard that before, but I find it kind of hard to believe, honestly. 
don't know. The stage design yeah. just seems a bit too well thought out <laughs> for something. It just like that they just stuck on at the last. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Because the way they give you like the way they give you like tanks at the bottom of the screen, a lot of the time, so you can start chip chains that way. Like that happens a lot. Oh in the yeah. Game. And stuff like the uh, the big like factory or buildings in stage oh, five. Oh, the air they conditioners. Have, like, the row of tank. Yeah, they have the row of tanks going above them that you can go grab a five chip from and then lock kill them. Like I don't know. That just <laughs> I have a hard time believing that all of that is an accident, but or just added on in the well, last minute, it- but. I wonder if maybe they're referring to the uh, aura and emote loops. Maybe. You know, with the suicide bullets and all that stuff. Maybe that was kind of a last-minute decision. Maybe. That's probably more likely. <laughs> that probably makes a little more sense yeah. to know. They just designed this really well-made thing, and they designed this really this the uh, level design of the game based around, you know, you getting these chip chains and you being able to just, like... Weaken an enemy and then grab grab this popcorn here and then lock back onto the bigger enemy and like just um, get a lock kill on it. Yeah, maybe it was de- maybe it was decided like three weeks before the game came out or something. But then everyone on the team worked like twenty hour days until the game. Came <laughs> out. Yeah, that would still make yeah. sense. Well, I, I th- <laughs> could. I think you're right, KZ, because that that is a really satisfying thing to kind of figure out. I mean, cause I figured that out on my own. Basically I was trying to figure out, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to go for the side pods on the stage one mid boss, uh, as I was trying to learn how to score, but then it became harder because he threw more at me. So I was like, well, I don't want to do that because I'll, my chances of survival go down. And so then I don't remember if it was you or who it was that was telling me, just focus on on taking the boss out. Uh, and so I started doing that. I started getting more consistent at being able to take the boss down quickly. But then I figured out that you know, I'm going to keep my lock shot on him for, you know, as soon as he comes out, I'm, I'm going to be locking him and taking down his health. But then I figured out at the very end, when there's those two rows of tanks coming up, I can quickly shot kill one of those and start a five chain right before I'm going to kill that guy so I can get a whole bunch of five chips from that mid boss. And that was really satisfying to figure out. And I, I remember I was on stream and I was like, yes, it worked. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I, they had to, they had to know, uh, whether it was a fully conscious decision or, the tank placements are just too convenient. Yeah, they are. <laughs> There's they no really way. They're, was, they're also convenient. Like everywhere, pretty much too. everywhere. Like, I like half the time I die on that mid boss. It's because I'm trying to go for the um, for the scoring strat, and then I get clipped by like one of the red tank bullets. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I I think you're right. I mean, I think it's just too it's too well designed, and the enemy placements are too accident. specific. Mm-hmm. Um, for it to be an accident. I mean, some of it may be just because they had already kind of found a groove in terms of having these scoring systems and 
doing these kinds of things from several games that they had made before that it maybe came more natural to them. So some of it might have been less an overt decision and more just, oh, this is the way we do it so that, uh, you know, people can exploit the scoring system. But yeah, either way, I think it's 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 too it's too well done for it to be just totally. Oh, it just came out this well. I guess there's also like a very small chance that like they were like, ah, maybe we should add a scoring system. And then they like based off of the stage design, they came up with a system and they're like, wow, this works really well for the oh, kind of stage design. Reverse manager. engineering it. Maybe. Yeah. Probably not. But, but I kind of, I kind of see this mini chain system that they did. Um, in a lot of earlier, in a bunch of earlier cave games, just like um, Esparade. Yeah. And. Don Pachi. Don, <laughs> Don Pachi was like, you know, proto DDP, so I'm not sure if that counts. But stuff like. Um, even like Escaluda, if you consider like the bullet can like just going to Kakuse and doing all, like chaining bullet cancels. Uh, Mushi uh, Fatari 1.5 Maniac also has that kind of chain. Oh, yeah. That too. To build up multiplayer. That was post Ketsui, though, right? That was definitely post Ketsui. Yeah, it was, but I still felt like mentioning it. <laughs> no, I've got a question for everybody. What's your favorite soundtrack from Ketsui? Verda Range or? Verda Range, for sure. Why is that? I like the. It just takes the I don't know what it is like the hard rock element and just turns it up. I think guitars and oh man, I just love that one. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite. Just the guitar they bring in and the drums. They just amplify the guitar and drums basically, and just rock super hard. So that's my favorite. I think my favorite is uh, Verda Range, except for the boss. The bosses. Um, I don't like the um, boss arranges on Verda Range. Uh, I prefer the original better for those. I think the Doom Arrange and Freighter Range is one of the better tracks, honestly, on that soundtrack. I, I, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fan yeah, of. I don't know I'm not a huge fan range. of just the original boss, like the um, regular boss theme or uh, a Vacaneer's boss theme on Verter Range. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I like it. It's rocking. Yeah, I, I need to give the Vert Arrange some more love. Um, I just like the original soundtrack so much that I mostly stuck with that. I tried the, I think it was the Matsumune Arrange a little bit and didn't really care for it. Was that the Xbox 360 one? Or was that different? No, that's Base Escape oh. Arrange. Yeah, I've never listened to the Matsu- Matsumune Arrange. Yeah, well, and the Vert Arrange, it's funny because that was originally apparently done for the... For the, the DFK, DFK range, yeah, DFK Ketsupachi. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that they that M2 pulled that in for the game, and of course it's for the digital version. That's DLC, but if they included it on the disc. So for those of us that bought the the physical version, we get that already. Um, but I, I tell you what, the original soundtrack I love, and it's interesting because yeah, you know, Mark, you were talking about on the Verta range how they just turn everything up. I, I enjoy and see I'm I'm a hard rock guy and so that seems like it would be right up my alley but um but I really like the sort of understated 
electronic approach of, you know, the first couple of stages and stage three, where it's, there's definitely some energy to it, and you get a little bit of, of, um, I don't want to say techno, because that's not really the right word, but, you know, you get a little bit of that, um, electronic Yeah, music. electronic. It sounds very spacey, is what I heard it described as, especially when you look at the instrumentation. It's like almost whimsical sometimes. Well, yeah, and it's just an interesting yeah. an interesting mix, but stage two of the original soundtrack, that's my jam. Uh, I didn't get to hear it a lot. I heard a lot of that's stage one. one. <laughs> um, I, I, on certain days, I hear only stage one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stage four threw me for a little bit of a loop because that brings in oh, yeah. that sort of bluesy, jangly, hard rock guitar to it. And so it's a little bit different. It shouldn't be that jarring because the boss theme has some guitar to it. But that makes sense because, um, you know, it's a it's a more tense encounter. And so it makes more sense to, um, you know, to have that more more rockin' theme when you're going up against the boss. Uh, so stage four threw me for a little bit of a loop. But it's a nice, it's kind of a nice combination of that sort of hard rock and a lot of that spacier electronic sound that they've done so far. And I also really like how stage five is essentially just a, a different arrangement reprising the stage one melody line. Uh, and so that I really dug the, what was it in? Uh, oh, I think it's stage three. There's a there's a small section of the stage three uh, track that reminds me very heavily of the Thunder Force Four soundtrack, uh, and so that's always going to be a good thing because that's you know that's also my jam. But um, but yeah, I, I just really like the original soundtrack. I need to give the others some more love. Um, but yeah, the original I just really like how it sounds. I'd say the original is my favorite as well. Um, I think I actually liked the bass escape one a little bit more for a bit, but I think that's not the case anymore. I like um, No Remorse a lot more on the original soundtrack compared to Bass Escape as well. Uh, Verda Range I don't think I like as much as those two, but it's still good. And uh, Matsu Matsumoto Matsumune Matsumune something like that um I actually like uh using that one in Destiny mode I think it goes well with like how the yeah, chips in that, that mode work or look and the aesthetic of the mode in general I guess I think it works well with it huh. <laughs> if you want to if you want to try that soundtrack I'd definitely say try it in that mode hmm. so Addicted, what's your favorite soundtrack in the game? Mine, I really like Verta Range and it's close, but I would have to say the original and stereo is burned into my brain. So <laughs> I would be going with it. It's burned into my brain, too. <laughs> going with that one. And I, I swear I must have heard the Cave Company Limited <clears throat> in a, from a track mode at least 600 times while playing this game. You haven't you haven't played enough Ketsui until you've like listened to a track and you can tell exactly where you are in a route just based on where the track is. Oh, yeah. That would that would be interesting. 
I have to echo your statements, Guru, with Stage 4. I really like the more rock arrangement on there. And I did notice some elements in Stage 3 were similar to Lightning Eating Force or Thunder Force 4. Really a good soundtrack overall, no matter which one you choose. Yeah, no, it's got probably one of the best uh, variety of arranges, the Destiny port. Yeah, I think it has the most. Uh, actually, the Grega one might have more, but I honestly don't like any of the Grega ones at all. I do like the, the Saturn Grega, one, though. The original Grega soundtrack is far and away the best um, version of that soundtrack. Yeah, it's not even close. Well, I think they made one on the PS4, like the Perfect Edition or something, that it doesn't... Uh, sound too no. much different yeah, I no. think it's just like my favorite, my just, favorite, uh, just because of that I think that my favorite Garriga track is uh, the stage 4 track and yeah. none of the arranges get that track right in my opinion yeah stage 4 is the best I actually <laughs> like the stage 2 track the most but I see, I see this, I think in like YouTube comments of the soundtrack I see like oh, the entire soundtrack is so good besides stage 2 and I'm like what the heck man <laughs> Or stage it's my two. favorite one, or one of them at least. Yeah, it's. I think it's hard for it's hard for any game when you have a really good soundtrack for an arranged version to, uh, you know, to one up that or to be better. I mean, the only example I can think of right now is is uh, one of the games we covered last year, Ghostblade. You know, when when they put out Ghostblade HD the alternate soundtrack that Sir Flash did, I thought was better and more consistent and worked with the aesthetic of the game more than the original soundtrack. But for most everything else, I mean, I haven't listened to all the Garega arranged soundtracks yet, but yeah, the original soundtrack's great. And, you know, same thing with Ketsui. The the original soundtrack, I think, is just is just so good that uh, the, the other arranges are are good to listen to, but I don't know if they're if they can compare to the original. One arranged soundtrack that I definitely feel is incredible is the Black La- DOJ Black Label Plus arranged soundtrack. So that port itself isn't the best, but man, that arrange is killer. I that's one of my favorites. If you guys haven't heard it, it's oh. really good. Actually, I, have, I think I've heard the TLB theme on. You it. guys should. Uh, is that the is that I the one the that plays during Mon's video? As well, I've used it on the podcast. Mon's, uh, DOJDL clear. I've used it a few times on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's really good. I think there's the That's PS2 not arrange, I think, and then and then the yeah, uh, the 360 is way better. I've only heard the TLB in the listen to the. One. After this is done, I'll send you guys some links. But you should listen to the stage four, especially that one is. I was like, whoa. I like the final boss, uh, not TLB, but final boss on the PS2 one. I think. Yeah the 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 thing the other thing that um <laughs> that I have to say about the like the sound design in the game is the voices um are kind of interesting. With uh, you know you think about the the evolution of voices in cave games. I mean, the original Dompachi, I just love because of how 
how cheesy it is. <laughs> yeah, it's you so know, cheesy. and and yeah. the guy that Watch the announcer yourself, that they got, I don't know Looky who that here. was, but that what do we got here? You know, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, don't, look at what we got here. A multi assault. Oh, don't forget power up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just or bomber. Yeah. Bomber. I, I, <laughs> and then there's that one line before the true last boss that everyone loves. Yeah, are you talking about? Are you talking? Oh, yeah. You're talking about the text, the voice, oh, right? He's got a doomsday machine. <laughs> I just, I, I would love to meet that guy. Uh, uh, the uh, target, the weak points of bleeping machine. Yeah, that, that's the one I was thinking of actually. Or you know, why don't you try hard? <laughs> what? That's not a no, voice not. line, though, right? That one is. That one is hilarious, but it's not a voice. Like the game just straight up tells you. It doesn't just tell you game the over. UTN it just gets... straight up tells you you suck. Blazing Star. Let's... Blazing Star has the same stuff too. It's kind of like uh, what is? I don't remember which Gradius game it is. Might Gaiden. be four or Gaiden, Yeah, when you die. And you lose all your lives. You need more practice. Yeah. You know, that kind of a is thing. Is that five? <laughs> but no, that's okay. Gaiden. Yeah, I, you're, you're right, Addicted. It's Gradius Gaiden. You, when you lose all your lives, you need more practice. Um, but yeah, I mean, the original Dom Pachi with, with that announcer, I would love to meet that guy at some point and just shake his hand because <sighs> his voice work gives that game so much charm. But then you move to Dodon Pachi where it shifts Robot to... Woman. Yeah, Robot Woman. And Ketsui, I think, is a nice balance between the two. It still has a little bit of a robotic voice, but it's a little bit more emotive and, uh, you know, you know, approach your target and attack. Your mission starts now. And, you know, it's a little bit yeah. more... They say the exact yeah. same thing in DDP and Ketsui right before the bosses, except everyone remembers yeah, the Ketsui good. one more for some reason. It's probably because it's probably because yeah, the announcer right. sounds like she's high or something. That's how I ever always imagined it. She blends it, it, into it's the just mix. More she also blends into the mix too much, I think. Like in the original in DDP, DDP, yeah, she blends into it really. Yeah, yeah I don't like it as much as in DDP. Yeah, so that that might be right there why Ketsui one is more. But, but I think in Ketsui, it's just more distinctive. Um, there's mm -hmm. more. There's more inflection, and, and so it's, you know, it, it sounds more like a person talking instead of a robot, like you said, Bark, but the, the thing uh, that yeah. uh, some somebody was commenting on one of my streams while I was playing arcade challenge mode, especially when I got to oh, difficult God. sections, and I would, I would, it would be a couple seconds, and then I would die, and then, are you ready? And then a few seconds, yeah, and then you would die. Are you ready? <laughs> it's a bit much. It's a bit much an arcade and, challenge. And, <laughs> I wish you could like turn yeah. that off or something. And somebody, and dumb. somebody, uh, somebody on the stream said uh, that by the end of the by the end of my time, are you ready? Are you ready? Are yeah, you ready? Are you by ready? By the end of my time playing Ketsui, I'm going to have PTSD. And every every time uh, some I hear the the. The phrase "Are you ready?" Uh, you know, I'm gonna like have flashbacks or <laughs> feel pain or something. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my least favorite part of that voice line now, just because of arcade challenge. I think. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely gets a little bit grating, but overall, I think, you know, the voices. That was the thing that disappointed yeah. me when I first played DDP is that the same announcer wasn't doing that and it was just this robotic voice so i do appreciate that at least 
for Ketsui, they stepped it up a little bit and did something that was slightly more interesting. Yeah, and then the Howie scream at the yeah, very end, too. Like, in, in, in DDP, it's yes. just game over. I used that for the <laughs> music, though. <laughs> for my... Uh, the Jamer song that I did with him. Oh. oh. No, my... Literally, uh, Hot Take, DDP only has, like, two good songs. It's the first stage and the fourth stage and I the boss. I don't like DDP's soundtrack at all. No one likes that, like soundtrack. that soundtrack. The sound... I like the boss soundtrack. I'm sorry, but, like, the boss... The, the boss theme is so good. And... The boss... I don't know. I think this... The boss theme sounds kind of okay on YouTube. In-game, I still don't like it. I don't like DDP soundtrack very much either. Because it's higher quality. That's why I play it in quiet it's all the time. A- it's probably... Well, it's maybe Caves. Well, besides maybe Don Pachi. Yeah. Maybe their worst soundtrack. Compared to anything done by Manabu and Namiki, it's nothing. But none of the voice samples can can compete with the game over in the first Don Pachi. Thanks for playing this game. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. I just love that. You know what that sounds yeah. like? That sounds like somebody's a door in your face. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and the why don't you try hard. Why don't you try hard. Oh, man. Imagine WTN seeing that after getting 92 mil. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've already tried for like... <laughs> 5,000 hours or something. It could be worse. Thanks, it could dude. be worse. It could be Plasmo on world record pace and then dying. What did Plasmo say? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Didn't Plasmo world record deep uh, Don Pachi? Yeah, I did. With, oh, with, yeah. Uh, I, I see C, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, WTN will tell him, why aren't you trying yeah. hard? <laughs> because those, those other shot type scores are nowhere near WTN score in that game. His score is just so far beyond everything else that anyone else has done. He's WTN, so yeah. Well, is there anything else that we need to touch on specifically that, um, you know, with in terms of Ketsui scoring... Um, you know, anything else that you feel like we, we should cover or anything else we, we should definitely touch on? Oh, yeah, the popcorn empty lock. We got uh, that covered. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of already That's true, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's so it's complicated. It's too complicated anyway. Only like, well, very few people will understand it and very few people... Maybe even no one that listens to this podcast will put it to use at all. <laughs> no, no. See, when you get to the popcorn empty lock part, you just need to change the uh, the background music of the podcast to uh, the Super Mario sixty four menu song, just to be a little like um, who's that? Who's it? Uh, Panin. If you've ever seen parallel universes, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> if you've ever seen like the parallel universes explanation where he like oh my gosh. discusses quantum physics yes, I in the that. context of Super Mario sixty four, and it's like a twenty minute and long, like, it's like a twenty minute long discussion about why this glitch works. Huh. Yeah, a lot. You of, could turn that into a, a drinking of, game, uh, though, if you uh, just drink every time he says scuttlebug. Oh my gosh. It's like scuttlebug, 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 the scuttlebug, the scuttlebug. Yeah, those videos are really interesting. I was like, oh my god, I didn't know it was called a scuttlebug. <laughs> That's a pretty legendary video, though. That guy gets memed a lot, but that guy gets memed a lot, but he's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. He's, he's an cool. amazing. He's an amazing dude. 
No, I haven't seen anyone else do all that crazy stuff in this M64. It's, so. Yeah, it's definitely a memorable... What do you call it? A memorable vi- video. Surely there's always a, a few more people working on stuff like that, but... Yeah, that guy's crazy. <laughs> like, where do you get the idea to, like, try to beat the game with as few A button presses as possible? Insanely bored or something. <laughs> I don't know. I think we got Ket covered. Yeah. I guess we got Ket covered. Yeah, I think so. Well, um... I kind of wanted to touch on a uh, a few of the thoughts from the from the community on RF Gen. Kind of, you know, read some of the comments from the forum, um, just so we can kind of hear from from uh, the folks who were playing along with us this month. Uh, Zoido has been one of our frequent participants, and he jumped in and um, really liked the idea of it being. Not only just the January game, but also the an ongoing scoring competition throughout the year, and uh, so he was kind of jumping in and did several. He actually did several runs in different modes. Uh, I know he's got. Uh, I think he said the PS3 port maybe, and he did, um, and he also has the PS4 port. So I know he did a run in X mode, and um, that's he, Xbox, right? I think that's on the or PS3. Yeah, I have it on PS3. And he said uh, he managed to break 200 mil in Destiny, which is good. Um, I haven't quite got there yet. And then he also let me check the the thread here because he was he was doing some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, like the X mode, he got 105 million. Yeah, so. Yeah, so he, he hit 212, 212 million in Destiny range and uh, was sitting at uh, 43 million in just standard arcade mode. And uh, this doesn't say. I was trying to look to, on his screen to see where he got. He got to uh, Black Draft, which is the stage three mid boss, I think. You, that's a stage four mid boss. Okay, so he actually was getting pretty far there. What was the score again? Oh wait, no. Yeah, forty-three million two hundred thirty-three thousand eight hundred one. So close to the second uh, score extend. <laughs> right. So he, I, I'm assuming he was just playing for survival, but, um, but st- yeah, still, possibly. I mean, you know, that's not bad. I, I think my. My high score that I got last night was my personal best, and it was just a little over 27 million. Uh, and I was in stage two at that time. I, I've been focusing a little bit more on scoring, trying to get five chips as much as I can, and, you know, being a little bit more stupid and dangerous <laughs> with the way I'm, I'm going through the game. That's how you, uh, that's how you play the game. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if you used bombs more, uh, it maybe wouldn't take you that long to make it to stage four, even. And maybe eased up, like, a little bit on aggressiveness and scoring. Sure. And you'd get a lot more score for that, so... <laughs> we also had a, a couple of people jump in. Um, Zero, who uh, apparently got the PS4 version and um, uh, was saying that 
Um, he said, he said, strangely, I seem to have more trouble with the mid-level bosses than with the actual bosses. Um, he said, I tried out Destiny mode a bit too, but I have no clue what the strategy is here. Need to do a little bit more research to figure this out. Seems a heck of a lot easier though, and I was able to get to level five with a score of 114 million. So that was pretty, uh, pretty on track, I think, with where I was at my first run in the game. I just happened to, you know, get through and finish it, and I think I ended up with something like 120 or 121 million my first time through Destiny. So he was on track to to probably get close to that. Um, and he, he's said something here too, that echoes a lot of, uh, what a lot of people have said is that he tried out the super easy mode and he said, it's definitely as advertised, managed to finish the game on a single credit on the first try. Um, nice to be able to at least see each of the levels. So you know what you can expect, but the bullet patterns are nothing compared to the real thing. So it's not like this is even valid practice. (laughs) Wow. Super easy mode sounds easier than Crimson Clover novice. Oh, it's, yeah, I mean, super easy is really easy. You know, like I said earlier, Novice Crimson Clover took me a couple of weeks to get through and beat. Super easy in uh, Ketsui, I did it my first try, 1cc. Yeah, you get six six bomb stocks per <laughs> life, auto-bomb Wait, like, on all this auto-bomb them, and you deplete- get score, score extends every 10 million. It's like does, impossible. Does um, the auto-bomb only take away one bomb, or does it take away all of them? Yeah. It's like, it so it's like DFK auto-bomb, bomb. not like it actually, auto-bomb. It gives you a multiplier punishment, so it's fine for scoring, but for survival, it's like, oh. I wonder what the super easy world re- who, who the super easy world record holder is. Uh, I think it was Tessu or TTT. Oh, guy with five hundred yeah. mil. Yeah, I think he has like two two mil higher. Than me. <laughs> <laughs> I I would have actually gotten the top score, but I messed up uh, the stage five boss um, kill timing and got like Nobuzaka oh. right out of it. It was very unfortunate. It was a no miss no bomb on my first attempt. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, I would assume that the the strategy in in super easy mode really is to no miss, no bomb, and absolutely be totally aggressive in order to really maximize the scoring. Yeah, the scoring the scoring is still as like a pretty high skill cap in that mode. So if you want to, I I'd like to actually try getting an optimized or fairly optimized super easy score at some point, but I don't know when. Probably won't spend that much time on it, but... No, but I would assume once you once you know the game in and out, it shouldn't take very long to accomplish something like that. No, probably not. Maybe like 10 hours at most. Probably not even that long. <laughs> the bosses, the boss strategies would actually be different though, because the stage end bonus is like super low in that mode, so you'd actually want to lock kill old boss parts, unlike arcade. So I'd have to figure that out. But besides that, it's not much huh. different. Interesting. That's also the. Uh, it's also like that in death to name mode. By oh, the way. okay. Good to know. Uh, we had a couple people jump in that just posted briefly and said they were going to participate, but uh, 
didn't really post any anything further than that. Oh, so we had Infamous 2117 said uh, they would probably stick to Destiny mode. And then Dingo jumped in and uh, uh, said that he was going to play some. And then we had a new member come and join, uh, Shamanix, who joined the forum and uh, uh, said, Casual player who really enjoys the podcast and thought, since I have this for PS3, I would play along this month. But this game ain't no cakewalk. The bullet patterns are so chaotic, it makes it really difficult for me. Can't even get through stage two on easy mode. And he was asking about X mode and, uh, you know, how to, like... X mode seems easier to score high and uh, was asking about difficulty and extends on standard settings, etc. He said, the only thing I figured out yet is to shoot the enemies close range for higher score. Something to do with the chips getting higher. What they do to the score, I don't really know, but close range equals high score, it seems. And so he and I had a little bit of back and forth in the the thread. I was kind of giving him the basic overview of yeah point blank for your five chips and then do lock on to to lock that in and then uh you know kill some more enemies with that so that you can continue to get the five chips and so he said i noticed this mechanic when playing last night and working on balance between letting some enemies stack up for chaining and not letting too many of them start to shoot or it will be hard to dodge all the bullets i think there are other mechanics at play as well Something to do with the lock-on, but I think I will deal with that later on. I feel this game grows on you. Definitely. (laughs) Later on, he says, I realize I need to focus on survival for a while and find some good routes and make it past stage two, then work on the scoring. I get through stage one with no death and no bomb, so it's coming along. And then he was sharing an early score there as well. So it looks like uh, he was definitely... uh, definitely getting in and, and getting some playtime with the game. Uh, D Tungsten, who joined in, he was asking about the, uh, the trophies in the game. And uh, he was specifically asking about Kazuna Grandmaster because all the, all the trophies are of course in Japanese. So he was curious about how to get that because the, the Google translate that it gave him it just says unlocked everyone's graphics in bond development mode, <laughs> which, which what? doesn't really, doesn't oh, really, uh, funny. yeah, it, it's kind of word salad by the time you get through that. Yeah. Google so, translate is really terrible at translating just slang and a lot of jargon just cause it doesn't have enough. It doesn't have a, enough training in this area. It's probably just filling in the entire menu in Kazuna mode. Yeah, and I think uh, I think somehow that came out during a stream, maybe or I don't remember. I I heard it somewhere, but uh, he was saying that uh, he said the re- this release of the game is designed and built as a trainer, as I suspected during one of your streams. I still can't get very far in the game, but to my surprise, I have improved and gotten higher scores as I continue to play it. I say to my surprise, because I think to myself, that's impossible, even for a computer. (laughs) You know, pulling a Star Wars line there. He says, I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. I like the many different modes available. The arcade challenge mode and the bond development mode are the best for practicing. I haven't gotten a no-miss clear in super easy mode. 
Uh, so there's still plenty of reason to play that. And then he was encouraging me to to, to try the Kazuna mode, uh, which I did for a little bit just to kind of work on my triple spots in stage one and two uh, to kind of better better get through some of those some of those trickier bits. Um, and he, what was it? He messaged me. I think last night on discord and said that, uh, he managed to, or no, he posted in the, in the, um, the shoot the core cast topic in, in our discord and said, I made it to the mid boss of stage two of Ketsui. So he's definitely progressing. That's good. Now, normally we would highlight the scores, you know, like we do every month when we podcast, because, we want to call out the people who are who have scored the highest, but since we're going to be working with this game all all year, I kind of want to save score talk for a little bit later. Once we have kind of better hammer better hammered out how we want to do the leaderboard and also have some more scores, so that we can really start to build something to discuss, uh, you know, scoring wise. So I guess instead. Uh, maybe I'd like to just kind of move into some final thoughts and, you know, kind of get a little bit of a, of a, a 10,000 foot view from everybody. Like, what is it that, what is it about this game that you really like or that grabbed you when you started playing? It? I think just, uh, well, mainly the scoring is what grabbed me <clears throat> with how visually rewarding it is and how, easy it is to get into at a basic level at least sure <laughs> yeah I, w- I would echo those, those statements and say that Ketsui is easy enough to understand but very difficult to master I know it's cliched but it works really well in, in this context it, it's yeah, yeah definitely. the graphics are good the sound is good and it really gives you a feel like you're actually doing something you get that nice visual feedback as mentioned with the five chips versus the one chips you know, you could call them, I'm jokingly call them loot boxes, or arcade <laughs> loot boxes. But it does a good job of giving you visual feedback and getting you started throughout the game by getting you accustomed to, and as soon as you start feeling good in stage one, it ups it a little bit more in stage two, and then stage three throws everything at it. So it gives you a good playtime for your average quarter or average credit, whatever you'd be going for. The enemy variety is good and visually expressive. The explosions are nice. Here we don't have this uh, sort of uh, Danmaku. T- I'm sorry, not Danmaku. The uh, Dojin type, you know, explosions everywhere that you usually see the same pixelated. It's refine. It's caves formula refined to a T, and. With the scoring system, the way that it is, where you get it, you just as you think you've got it and you've mastered it, they twist it on you. And the bullet patterns that are coming out from different areas of the screen to see them experiment a little bit. This is a game that I expected to, to be really hard, but to push me and grow. And this game does a phenomenal job of that because every time I come back to it, I'm learning something new or I'm trying new strategies. And sometimes they work really well and sometimes they don't. But it's always great to be able to experiment with and try out new things. And I think that's why people come back, 
keep coming back to it because there's always something new to explore, something new to do. You can say, oh, what I can, uh, you know, think back maybe a couple of years ago, people didn't know how to empty lock, and it's still a little bit of a hard concept to grasp. But if you're going for just for survival, there's still a lot that you can get out of it, and it makes things like Batsugan or uh, <clears throat> Dampachi seem easy in comparison. Yeah, I think Zako e-locking took like four years or something to even be found. Yeah, <laughs> like the first Superplay DVDs of this game didn't even have that. Yeah, and that came out like three years after the release. But yeah, I think the game's just like really good for players of any skill level, really. Just with how it's made. Yeah. Uh, is it time for me to chime in? Because I'm just gonna say the simple thing of the game looks cool and the, uh, the way the game plays out also looks cool. I know it's kind of cliche, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think it's just overall the complete package. It's got the visuals, it's got the soundtrack, it's got the gameplay, then it also has the simplicity, and it just seems like a really refined, well-designed game all around. It just seemed like, uh, for me anyway, when I think of Ketsue, I feel like it's Cave trying to be really focused and to provide just pure, you know, Don Maku gameplay in almost like its purest form. So I think that's one reason why it resounds with so many players. It just gets to the heart of what makes the genre good. You know, it's intense, it's aggressive, it's got uh, really clean bullets and hitboxes for the most part, um, really fun boss fights. Not a lot of obscure things you have to do. I mean, if you want to e-lock and all that, I can get kind of tricky. But beyond that, I just think it's a really straight-ahead, well-designed game. And I think that's why it's so good. I don't even think you need an empty lock to get to 500 million. There's a... Who is it? OC, OCG? No, um, no. You can beat the world record without empty lock. Can I'm you? Pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, it would require a run way better than what the current world record like, is. Um, one of the 500 million uh, tier players doesn't really like Zako Empty Lock at all. Yeah, he has uh, 536 million. Crap. And he doesn't yeah, that's crazy. Uh, he has a no Oh, that's, that's how you do it. Over, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would basically echo kind of what you said, Mark. I mean, it is the total package. You know, it looks cool. The aesthetic is awesome. The the story is interesting and more complex than most shmups, but it's not, you know, it's not one of those crazy, goofy stories that is totally cliched. It is an interesting approach. It, it's got a great soundtrack and good sound design. And yeah, it, it, it is a really refined approach to... To that kind of Don Maku style, and I like the fact that I think you're right, Mogler. I think it is something that is approachable at differing skill levels because I still consider myself to be pretty much a noob when it comes to Don Maku games. But just watching a few replays and kind of learning a little bit about how you do this stuff and how you play these these types of games, and I've started to learn about okay, this is how you route a level. This is how you start working on on 
getting the, the scoring mechanics and learning how to score higher. Um, and then this is how that changes the way that you have to play the game. Um, so, yeah, I think that combined with the fact that if you want to learn the game to score, you don't have to worry about chaining through the entire stage or, you know, any kind of ridiculous ch chaining kind of stuff. It's like you get these little chains that you can do and each one of those becomes its own satisfying little experience, especially once you get to the point where you can do it consistently. Uh, so, yeah, I really think it it provides a lot of... I'm trying to think of the right Accessibility. word. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very accessible, but it also is... It's just very satisfying to play. And I think ultimately that is why it grabs me and why... I, I keep keep wanting to play, even when I'm frustrated with it. I just... One more credit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I also would have to say that to it, it depends upon who we're going to be talking to, but it it doesn't have the moe effect, which can sort of tilt things either way. You know, Mark mentioned in a previous video how... The, you sort of have the anime crowd, and that's how their gateway is into shmup-style gameplay. Oh, With God, this, don't talk it... about the anime crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we just finished Odomedius, and I just have to say that... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the core gameplay couldn't overcome some of the issues we have with the visuals aesthetic. <laughs> it, it, it's just... This... This game, really, and especially with the M2 package, has something for everybody on here. And you don't have to worry about offending somebody with visual choices, I'll say. And, and for that, I, I am thankful. It, it can be come across, in, if, depending upon which way you want to look at it, as maybe a little bit Dubro-ish. You know, d two, four guys and two helicopters taking on... I mean, but... It really does, the M2 package really does offer something for everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so let's talk about what we got coming up next. Um, as we record this, it is the beginning of February. So if you're not already playing it, uh, you could jump in with us and play uh, a much older game now. And that is Gridseeker Project Stormhammer which is a Taito arcade shoot-em-up, and uh, that did not see a console release during that period of time, but um, thankfully, Taito saw fit to put that on their Taito Legends 2 compilation, which came out on the PlayStation 2 in North America, and then also, oddly enough, the Xbox version of that was only released in Europe, but that is region-free, so it does work on uh, North American Xbox consoles for some reason. That's an interesting game where uh, you get these these two pods that kind of go around your ship and you can position them. And when you block enemy bullets, you sort of gather them up and it helps you to create a bomb stock. And so, you know, we're going from we're going from a cave game where 
You know, Ketsui is less so, but in a lot of cave games, you're discouraged from bombing. But in this game, bombing is a major mechanic where, you know, you're gathering up enemy bullets to build your bomb stock and then you can and then you can bomb. And so that'll be an interesting shift for for February. And then coming up in March, uh, we're going to be going uh, to the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive and we're going to be playing the classic Gyarus. So since I mentioned before, <laughs> yes, the mullet shmup. <laughs> uh, for those who haven't seen the ads for this game, the magazine ads from back in the day, go look up Gyra's ads and uh, revel in the mullet. But uh, yeah, and so you know that, as I mentioned before, that's the game that that has that cool mechanic where you can shoot out a pod or a, a deal at an enemy and steal its weapon. And so that'll be an interesting one to play. I, I've never been able to get terribly far in that game, but I've now that, you know, we're going to be focusing on it for the month. I, I hope that, uh, well, maybe, maybe I'll finally be able to get a clear on that one. So will that be interesting to see? This is the part where you think people. Oh yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> So, uh, we would really like to thank uh, Mark MSX, Moglar, and KZ for joining us on the podcast today and uh, for, you know, helping us to really flesh out this discussion on Ketsui because I I think, uh, you know, Addicted and I can speak about the game, but we may not have been able to do it justice without having, um, you know, some more, some more high-level players uh, being able to add some additional expertise. So, gentlemen, thank you all for being here. No problem. For this recording. No problem, my dude. Anytime. No problem. Thanks for having me. Alrighty. Addicted, would you like to shout out some folks for us? Alright. I'd like to thank Sarah Flash of Studio Mud Prints, Bullet Heaven for the logo. I'd like to thank Mark MSX of The Electric Underground for helping me understand more what is a shmup and why it matters <laughs> and uh, un- gain a better understanding of what Toho is and why it matters. <laughs> the moe is coming and after you. <laughs> <laughs> Although he may not tell. Let me insert my um, little, like, uh, what is it, Gus soundboard right there. <laughs> Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, no. Although I would have. If you're going to try. Go all the way. I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> uh, 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 all right. Where are you? As always, we have uh, podcast shirts, of which I think there are also Electric Underground shirts. There might be someday. If not, not right now, though. Yeah. All right. Well, then pre order his book. <laughs> All right, all right, Mark, shut up and take my money. Actually, the, uh, just yesterday, um, my family was talking to me, and they're like, "Hey, are you gonna sell merch?" I was like, "I don't know." They're like, "Well, they make stuff, so they they might be making me some merch." So I don't know. That could nice. that I'll could be your actually, first customer. That could actually be a thing. <laughs> Interesting. When do we get a uh, when do we get the Shmup Illuminati shirt? Yes, Shmup Illuminati and I was also thinking uh you know the pup emoji, like pup and dog. <laughs> Maybe something yeah. with those. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
merch, Matt Player it. merch. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> first time ever. Oh, dude. First and <laughs> last. last time ever, too. <laughs> I better see you wear that at Galloping Ghost. Yeah. Oh, Get no, I have, a, I, have, I have a terrible idea for a shmup shirt. It's like, so have you have you ever seen those, like, weird, the... the Why don't you try you hard? Those, like, Wi-Fi shirt? Have you seen those shirts that, that detect shirt. um, how strong a Wi-Fi signal is? I haven't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's shirts like that. Just imagine a shirt with the Ketsui lock-on symbol on it, and it just, like, randomly beeping every, like, five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> no, it beeps as you get close to stuff. Uh, like as you get close oh, to things, yeah. it starts to beep. <laughs> so it's like oh, <laughs> man. It sounds like you're taking apart a stuff finder and putting it inside a shirt. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Now everyone on the world will know of the kids. Yeah, the stunt oh, just put a shirt that, as you get like, closer. It's like subtle, subtle brainwashing. <laughs> into gang of played or something. I, I still think that somebody needs to do. I think we talked about this when I was on your podcast, Mark. But I, someone still needs to take the uh, the Bass Pro Shops logo and make Bass Pro Shmups and take and instead of the fish in the Bass Pro Shops logo, replace that with the uh, uh, what is it? The golden ogre, I think, from the. Darius Gaiden, right. first stage boss. Like that giant fish. Put that in there. That giant fish, yeah. Yes, and and have a Bass Pro Shmups shirt. That would be amazing. I would buy that. My brother would love that, too. He's really into fishing. Oh, alrighty. We'll, we'll get you a Ketsui Scream stress ball. How's that? Huh. There you go. Well, I'd also like to thank Kogasu for the intro and outro music. And like to thank Game Boy Guru for streaming and showing us different routes and uh, how to empty lock like a pro. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, I do what I can. Huh. Well, if you'd like to connect with the podcast, uh, make sure you follow on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. You can also follow me directly at Game Boy Guru. Uh, also, make sure you come over to rfgeneration.com and join us in for a Shmup Club playthrough. Uh, if you would, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your preferred platform. Remember, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also join the RF Generation Discord channel and check out our dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic. And then also, please follow me on Twitch. And uh, you can get notifications of my streams and come watch me play the Shmup Club Game of the Month, among other things. That is twitch.tv slash gurugameboy. Gentlemen, anything else that uh, you guys want to plug or say before we get out of here? Um, yeah, check out Shmup Slam coming up at the end of February because our boy... Moglar will be playing Ketsui in Shmup Slam 2, and KZ and I will be on the mic, so be a nice tie-in to this episode. Peki. Absolutely. Yeah, and PKE, a Japanese super player, will be playing as well, so it's going to be really cool. is a god. <laughs> yeah, and he's awesome because he is, like, hanging out with us Westerners, you know? I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, I can talk to him in English. Awesome. <laughs> Sometimes a little bit hard. And that's Sometimes. on. It's usually that's pretty on good leap though. Day, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Awesome. February 29th, Yeah. 
All right. Anything else? Yeah. Play Katsui. It's a very good game. Yeah. And Probably if you guys, I know you guys at RF Generation are into game collecting and stuff. So get the Death to Me port on PS4. Even if you own the three, even if you own the 360 yeah, port. Sure. You can just use that as a frisbee and get the Destiny port on PS4. <laughs> as long as, as long as you get have PS4, a PS4 and then get Destiny. <laughs> Although it, it wouldn't be the first time someone's that's what I did PS4 for a Griga. <laughs> I bought it for the Katsuri one, but other M2 ports are a nice bonus. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you guys again for coming on the podcast, and uh, thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time.